Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue here on Facebook Live at Review and Preview Sports. I'm Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dichter. Hank, this is our final show of 2020. Congratulations. We've made it. I'm looking forward to uh, previewing our final game of the regular season here tonight. Yeah, and you know, I can't believe it's we've made it through a whole season given what's going on in the world right now as we speak and i'll tell you what this season this is about as 2020 as you can get two teams <laughs> at five and nine with a chance to make the playoffs banana land well dallas is six and nine we're five and ten so that'll be very you know what i mean yes My bad. uh Make sure to give us a follow on our platforms below on the ticker, as you can see scrolling across the screen right now on Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel, which is Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to catch us there. And a quick update, we're going to be live for two hours tonight from 7 to 9 p.m. Our special guest is Brian Attard from the Sports Box. He is one of the two hosts of Highly Opinionated on the Sports Box channel. He'll be joining the show at 8 p.m. He is a diehard. Dallas Cowboys fans, so looking forward to having him on the show, getting another fan's perspective of their team. And the way this show is going to go tonight, Hank, we're going to recap the Week 16 loss against the Baltimore Ravens. Then we're going to go over some of the pros and cons of the game, some of the key takeaways. We'll talk about Dave Gettleman, Daniel Jones, all that fun stuff. Then we'll bring Brian on to set up the Cowboys game. And talk about the NFC East race diving into the playoffs. See who's going to come out on top of this thing. Because the NFL wanted craziness. They got craziness. So, without further ado, uh, episode number 16 is underway. And folks, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, or ideas you want to pitch in the comments section, feel free to chat with us. We will get back to you ASAP. We love engagement from our audience who really do appreciate the support. Make sure to share the stream with your friends and family as well. So Hank, why don't you start with the first half of this game? Giants were five and nine going up against a nine and five Ravens squad. The Ravens ended up winning this game 27 to 13. And it started with an abysmal first half for this Giants squad all around. Yeah, the first draft by the Ra- or drive rather by the Ravens really set the tone for this game. They started out with a clock-killing 8-minute, 12-play drive, 13 plays. And I got to tell you, Lamar Jackson looked very surgical out there. He had a 13-yard pass to Willie Snead and another one to Miles Boykin. Firing on all cylinders, the Giants just could not stop him. And in the end, it resulted 
on a six-yard touchdown pass from Lamar Jackson to Antonio Brown's cousin Marquise to make it 7 nothing Ravens. <laughs> Thank you, Fonz. Fonz Falco. Uh, Sorry, Hank. Go on. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, as great as the Ravens' drive was, that's how bad the Giants' opening drive was. It included good. in this in this opening drive, two false start penalties from Zeitler and Fleming, respectively, turned a third and seven into third and 17. You knew that drive was pretty much done. Giants went three and out. And the Ravens, once again, this was a little quick by their standards, but they would execute another great drive. This one took 10 plays in five minutes and five seconds. Also resulted in touchdown. This one, two-yard run from J.K. Dobbins, who ran for a total of 25 yards on this drive, 14-0 Baltimore, and he now has a rushing touchdown in five straight games. That is a Baltimore rookie record. And Nuts. Man, that yeah. hit is good. I love J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. He is a fantastic young player, and I just wanted to get to this comment from Fonz DeFalco saying, good game. Yes, Fonz, a great game for your Baltimore Ravens, continuing their winning streak. You guys are on a good track. And Andy saying, the line for this Giants-Cowboys game has been moving quite a bit. Giants went from plus three to now plus 1.5. Everyone's talking about Dallas winning this week, so it'll be very interesting to see how much that line fluctuates uh, more in the Giants' favor as the week goes along. We will analyze and hone in on Andy's comment a little bit later on in the show. But continue, Hank. It wasn't a good first half at all, and you're recapping it beautifully so far. J.K. Dobbins ran all over our defense, which was shocking with the way Patrick Graham has coached this team up this year. I mean, yeah, it, it is. It, it really, I'll tell you, it really exposed some flaws in the Giants' defense, but you also have to give credit to the Ravens because they have what you would pretty much call a triple threat at running back if we're going to count Lamar Jackson in that group. And, right. you know, it the often, and you have a good offensive line, that always helps. And, Giants on their next drive. They could not go any further than their own 36, and they were forced to punt. This was due to a drop pass by Austin Mack. And if you look at early on in this game, you'll sense a pattern. On the on the surface, you'll see giant a lot of Giant fans blame Daniel Jones for this loss. And I, I totally get why, but when you really look at this game, as we'll get to later, we'll we'll explain why he is not the problem. But anyways, I digress. On the next Ravens session. More more clock milking. 13 plays, 60 yards. They got to the Giants' two-yard line. And here's a shocker for you. Tight end Mark Andrews accounted for three catches and 37 yards. But yet he couldn't hold on to a pass in the end zone on third goal. He should have had more, so, is what you're saying. <laughs> you would happen to be correct. And the Giants, I, I guess you could say they dodged a bullet on this drive because they were lucky that they that – Baltimore only got a chip shot field goal from Justin Tucker, made the score 17-0, but it was this next drive that the Giants would finally would finally make move things. They would uh, go down to the Ravens' 13-yard line. You had some big passes from Daniel Jones, 14-11 yards respectively to Sherlin Shepard, 13-11 yard passes to Evan Engram, and the last two plays on this drive were incomplete passes to Alex Mack, and unfortunately the Giants had to settle for the 31-yard field goal by Graham Gano. I just want to stop you right there. That's the problem with this team. Two incomplete passes in a row to yeah. Austin Mack. First of all, why are you targeting him this much? I understand Golden Tate is out, but you have Ingram, you have Shepard, you have Slayton. These receivers need to create some type of separation. And give credit to Baltimore's defense. We knew it was going to be a challenge going up against Chuck Clark, 
Marlon Humphrey. They did a fantastic job with these Giants wide receivers. They got to be better. They got to be better. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I I feel like Austin Mack was the wrong guy, or I'm sorry, Alex Mack rather was the wrong guy to target. And Austin Mack, Austin Mack. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it wasn't great. And with a minute, with a minute and eight seconds left to go in the half, the Ravens again, they would just kill the Giants slowly in terms of the clock, and they would go right down to the Giants' ten where. Luckily, they'd hold them to a field goal. Again, bend but not break defense. So it extended their lead to 20 to 3 as teams headed to the locker room. And once again, Mark Andrews, two catches, 32 yards on this drive. And I'm going to be blunt right now. This was a terrible first half. The Giants only had three drives in this half. And you know what the worst part is? The first quarter, they only had the ball for like three plays. That's the lowest the Giants have had the ball in one in the first quarter in 40 years tells you something about how abysmal this offense is this 80s and team, these 80s teams don't don't go there hank don't go there i know no, no. We, we weren't alive for that but no 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 no, no. i'm not comparing them i'm just stating a fact about how bad this team is <laughs> no the 80s teams were better offensively you're thinking about the 70s yes but whereas we contrast that with baltimore not once in this first half did they punt not once. And as no, I said, the, the flaws in the Giants defensively were exposed. As great of a job as they've done, you could tell they're clearly lacking something. And we'll talk about that later. But, Tom, I'm going to let you talk about the second half because that one was slightly more tolerable and slightly more watchable. I mean, the Giants did hang a bit tough in there, but obviously it was too little too late. The Giants are missing multiple things on defense. They're yeah. missing an edge rusher. They're missing an inside linebacker. They're missing a cornerback. They're missing multiple things. And Adam Rothschild says, DJ is not the problem, but he is part of the problem. How's yeah. it going, Mr. Rothschild? I think that's the argument with Giant fans right now. A lot of people think Daniel Jones is the problem, and he worded that perfectly. I agree with him. Uh, he is part of the problem. Yes, he has to play better, and you know you can't – continue to make excuses for a guy because eventually you run out and it's time to perform at the highest of levels in in the football world. And right now Jones has not been living up to that par. This was his first touchdown pass in several weeks, which is unacceptable. Oh, we haven't uh, even gotten to that yet. But let's move on to the second half where we kind of inched and clawed our way back into the game. Uh, the first play of the second half – it didn't get out to a promising start as Daniel Jones took a sack on the first play of the second half. So, guys, if you're watching the show right now, I'm sitting there at my TV. I'm like, oh, of course. First play of the second half, Jones takes a sack. The offensive line was atrocious. Uh, but Daniel Jones, facing a second and 18, delivers a 15-yard strike to Darius Slayton, and Darius Slayton is a guy that needs to get involved early in football games. He can't get – he just – you can't wait till the third quarter to sprinkle him into the offense. Darius Slayton right now, in my personal opinion, mm -hmm. is the best weapon that the Giants have on their wide receiver roster, on their wide receiver depth chart. Yeah, you can't which, wait till the third quarter to get him the football, and that is a big issue. It's a combination of multiple things. It's Jason Garrett's play calling. It's the offensive line protection. It's Slayton learning as a second-year player how to create more separation against the elite corners that he's gone up against. 
a good majority of the season. And Daniel Jones is reads at the line of scrimmage, not having enough time to release the football. Yeah. And yeah, you also brought up the deep pass for Roger Engram. I don't think that was a great play call either. No. So that second and 15 throw to Slayton, it led to a third and three. So Jason Garrett, guys, you're sitting there, you're just watching the game and you're like, we just have to get to the sticks, get a first down. There's no reason to take a shot downfield like that. Um, I understand Ingram has a mismatch against 99% of DBs in this league, but you know, Ingram's been very Jekyll and Hyde with those types of plays all year. It's a high risk, high reward type of play. Why don't you rather go for a low risk, high reward type of play to maximize your odds of keeping the football and getting a first down. If you're going to take shots down the field against Baltimore, I'm sorry, you're not going to cash in. You're down 17, nothing. I get it but you have a chance to get back into this football game and you want to give your team some type of momentum, make a statement by going on a long drive and keeping Lamar Jackson on the sideline. That's what they should have done. So what does Baltimore do? Their first possession of the second half, their first play is a 32 yard run by Gus Edwards. Again, the teeth of our defense is that defensive front Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence. They were not the teeth of our defense on Sunday. They got ran all over by this Baltimore offensive line who was without their center, Patrick McCarry, for a good portion of this game. But they would, Baltimore, they'd move the ball down the field. Now they'd reach the Giants' 33-yard line. And Justin Tucker's coming on for a 51-yard field goal. I'm saying, okay, they're going to go up 20-0. But then, uh, surprisingly, Tucker and Cox, the long snapper, who's been there for years out of all people, they get a delay of game and it backs them up, not necessarily at a field goal range, but at a position of the field where Harbaugh doesn't think Tucker will miss that kick. I think Tucker would have made the kick, but the problem is, God forbid you do miss it. And knowing Joe Judge, it's a high risk, high reward type of play against the Giants special teams unit. If you miss that kick, where are the Giants getting the football? The Giants are getting the football near the ball near their own 40 yard line which you don't want to do you want to pin them deep and make them go the length of the football field because the offense has not proven that they could do that Hank and folks watching right now right. throughout majority of this season and the Ravens elect to punt the football and then all of a sudden we get guys in this drive coming out of nowhere uh, Dante Pettis CJ Board who had a tough injury early on in the year. They The Giants would drive down to Baltimore's 24-yard line. We had that 16-yard catch by board, the 19-yard strike to Gallman, and then a 20-yard reception hauled in by Dante Pettis, who was finally able to make his Giants debut, active for his first game of the season. 20-yard pass, but the Giants would have to settle for Graham Gano's 29th consecutive made field goal attempt, this one from 42 yards out. So, the Giants would be down 20-6 to six at that point. But, Hank, there was one play on this drive we wanted to highlight, and, in fact, it is that Dante Pettis 20-yard catch. And here's a look at that because I thought this was just a beautiful overall play. We're going in slow motion here, folks, because I want you to watch the protection up front. Watch Andrew Thomas against Yannick Ngakwe and Cam Fleming against Pradell McPhee. Now look what happens. Ngakwe's about to get there, but Thomas does enough to keep him outside. Jones has a clean pocket. Daniel Jones is one of the most effective quarterbacks in football when he has a clean pocket. Now watch the wall created up front by Lemieux, Gates, and Zeitler. There it is. 
You give Jones time, he's going to live up to his nickname, Danny Dimes. And that's a perfect example of why Daniel Jones, in my opinion, is the future quarterback, not present, but future franchise quarterback of this team. We know he is able to make those throws, Hank. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I kind of want to get your field take on that because that that was our best highlight of the game. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I think this. I thought looking at this clip that it gave you a good sense of what Daniel Jones can do if given the time and if given the weapons necessary to, you know, sustain a good team. And yeah, I I, I agree with you 100. I do think Daniel Jones. I'm not 100 percent confident yet. I'm still. I still think the jury's out. I'm not. Not necessarily trying to say he's the future, but I, I totally get where you're coming from, Tom. But I do see the possibility that he could. And that, that passing example. How's it going, Steve? Happy New Year to you as well, my man. Happy New Year, Steve. We could use some help from you this weekend. I'm sorry the Eagles were eliminated on Sunday, but uh, a great overall effort by Jalen Hurts, man. You might have a good young quarterback in that guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Throw us the bone on Sunday. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, yeah, but what I'm saying is I definitely agree. I totally see that Daniel Jones has potential. I'm not willing – I'm not ready to give up on this guy yet. No, Talk to me in all. about a year, and then I'll answer that question, basically, is the short answer of this. So now the Giants are down 20-6. to six. Baltimore responds, 25-yard run by J.K. Dobbins. That set up an eight-yard touchdown reception by former Giant nemesis Des Bryant. This puts Baltimore up 27-6, to and the game's beginning to get out of hand. Baltimore's up by three scores. So the Giants wouldn't go down quietly. They would reach the red zone for the first time in three weeks, which is uh, pretty darn embarrassing, if you ask me, on a 15-play 70 Actually, I think you mean end zone, but not reaching the yes, red zone. End zone. Worse. end zone. You get what I mean. Um no, this offense has been abysmal enough. I totally get it. Look, this game didn't start this, – this drive didn't start off promising as Jones was sacked on back-to-back plays by Matthew Judon and Pernell McPhee. So, again, Giants have their backs up against the wall. They catch a lucky break where they're about to go out to punt, and then Baltimore's Justice Hill commits a roughing the kicker penalty on Riley Dixon. And Riley Dixon is probably – Uh, One of my favorite players, not probably, but he's one of my favorite players on this team. If you rough into him, you're going to get a rise out of me. Uh, Local guys. What happened? You (laughs) You don't run into him. He's big. He's big red for a reason. He's able to withstand those hits, keep himself in the game. Um, So the Giants offense would retake the field after that penalty. 15 yarder Baltimore would end up committing two more defensive penalties that would set the Giants up inside the 20. Jones would finally deliver a three yard touchdown pass to Sterling Shepard. And we are going to show you a clip of this play and we'll break it down again. First, you can see the offensive line. Nice job creating a wall up front and Jones we're going to watch this again in a little uh, high-angle type of view. Now, watch Shepard. He's doing a little uh, zag route. He's doing a little pivot against the defensive back, and that looks like Marlon Humphrey. That's not an easy guy to go up against in the red zone. Watch what he does. Jones, with his vision, is able to keep that second player in, and he delivers it in a position of the end zone where Sterling Shepard and only Sterling Shepard is able to make that catch 
and Shepard does a good job running his route, going towards the pile line. And as you can see, he's got a lot of space. And there's really nothing more to it. That's just a beautiful, exe beautifully executed play by uh, Daniel Jones and the Giants, Hank. So now we cut the lead down to two possessions. The score is 27 to 13, and the Giants would force a three and out. This was one of my favorite plays of the game coming up where Blake Martinez stuffs. Blake Martinez has to fend off two guys to get to Lamar Jackson to trip him up, and he did. Him, David Mayo, and Tay Crowder all did great jobs on that play, stopping Lamar Jackson on a third and one. So Baltimore goes three and out. Giants would make a bid to get back into the mix of things. Unfortunately, Maybe a sliver of false hope, I would say. No, yes, a false hope is a good yes, way. To put a sliver it. of false hope. <laughs> um, but they would go no further than their own forty-four, backed into a corner when Chris Board for Baltimore had, uh, I believe, it was two straight sacks against Daniel Jones. One of them for nine yards led to a turnover on downs. Uh, Baltimore would take it deep into our own territory where Logan Ryan would recover a fumble with under two minutes left. Again, too little, too late. Giants couldn't move the ball past their own 44 before turning the ball over on downs yet again. Evan Ingram did leave the game on that final drive with an injury following his catch. Ingram had a decent stat line, seven catches for 65 yards. The Ravens now, they inch closer to a playoff berth thanks to the, to the Browns shocking defeat to the Jets, although I think the loss is a little less embarrassing due to the fact that their entire wide receiver depth chart, except for one guy, was put on the COVID list the night before the game. That really hurt me in fantasy, losing Jarvis Landry. But anyway, uh, yeah, so the fact that the Browns lost to the Jets and the Steelers made a nice comeback against the Colts, the Ravens are in the playoffs right now if the season ended today. Uh, and now the Ravens have streaks of four-plus wins in two straight seasons, which is very impressive. As for the Giants, now this is our sixth 10-loss season in the last seven years, and yet they still have a chance to make the playoffs. However, we do not have control of our own destiny, folks. As you all know, we would need a win coupled with a Washington loss to Philadelphia, Hank. But in, but in the words of Jim Carrey, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, there is a chance, and <laughs> – an Eagles fan agrees with us. Uh, when you guys beat Dallas Sunday, you guys are going to be the biggest Eagles fans around. I don't know about that, but you're pushing it, Steve. You're pushing it with that last part, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we are king of the pig people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, keep the comments coming, folks. We appreciate the love, love and the it. support. We will get back to you as soon as we can. Now, Hank, we're, we're just going to dive into the – there were some pros about this game despite the loss. Now, on the surface, Daniel Jones did have a better performance, um, going 24 for 41, a tad over 250 passing yards, and the one touchdown, more importantly, no picks and no fumbles. This is the third game in his last four starts where he has been turnover free. Discussion. Why is Daniel Jones not the problem, as Adam Rothschild was telling us before? Hank, why is Daniel Jones not the problem on this Giants team? Okay, I'm going to cut right to the chase. His supporting cast, compared to what Eli's was in his second year, 
I don't really like making that comparison because it's two different eras, but you can clearly see it's night and day. So I think if you give him a better weapon, hopefully he'll improve. Now I know some people are going to come out and say, Oh, Odell, what about Odell Beckham? No, that ship has sailed. I'm talking about maybe getting one in the draft, possibly one that has the talent to get the deep balls. Maybe somebody like a Plaxico could help. And I definitely think, Offensive line could use a little bit of help because I'm not convinced that Shane Lemieux is necessarily the right answer. I want to see more of Will Hernandez, actually. Well, Shane Lemieux is not a good pass blocker at yeah. all. I'm sick and tired of seeing him on the field for about 75 to 80% of the game. You drafted Will Hernandez in the second round in 2018, Shane Lemieux in the fifth round this year. Shane Lemieux is a serviceable swing guard that has start starting potential Mm-hmm. next year you're playing for the playoffs this week play will hernandez yes uh, i don't understand it and back back to daniel jones for a second the man has gone 162 pass attempts in a row without an interception i actually uh, yes that's good and i also want to mention another thing in the last few weeks do you know how many, you know how many fumbles he's had i believe just one that is correct. And even that fumble, yeah. when you looked at that play too, the one that Golden recovered and t- and almost took the house. Yeah. Was that really Daniel Jones' fault if you look at yeah. it on the surface? It really wasn't. And what have a lot of people been complaining about for like a good good chunk of the year or past year and coming into this year? The O line. No, 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 no. About Daniel Jones. His fumbles. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what's He's actually, like, you're not seeing it in the big picture, but in my eyes, he's showing some progress. Now, he is. He is. Grant, now, granted, I still want to see him get more points on the board. Yes, I'll give you that. But to, as I'm saying, to dismiss Daniel Jones, again, talk to me next year and then we'll see. And, guys, stop comparing him to Eli Please just stop. He is not Eli Manning. Yes, they have similar mannerisms and they look alike. I, I, I get that. But they are two completely different quarterbacks, two completely different styles of play. Jones is a mobile quarterback that can throw on the run. Eli was a pocket passer that can make plays when he needed to. And both of these guys have potential to be winners. So I'm yeah. saying Jones has potential to be a winner in this league. Not to mention, he did outpass Lamar Jackson in this game, although that's not saying much because the Ravens are not really a passing team. The Giants didn't turn the ball over at all. If you take now, away by the, way, the turnover on continue, down. I do want to say one more thing regarding Daniel Jones and Eli Manning, and then I'm done. It is possible that he could be Eli Manning in reverse. You mentioned this, and your, your, your point – I mean, it confused me just a little bit because how how could it be Eli Manning? Eli Manning in reverse because if you remember at the beginning of his career, he had a great supporting cast, but then Jerry Jones with multiple bad decisions kind of wrecked that. On the opposite end, you have Daniel Jones not having a great team. Maybe it gets better. Who knows? Only time will tell, but... I, I we'll hope see. he's the team around him. We'll I want to see what he can do with the legit team. I still think the Giants have the brightest future in the NFC East, in my opinion, because Philadelphia's cap space really alarms me. Washington does not have a quarterback right now, and Dallas has to pay Dak Prescott 
and I, I think Zeke is, is on like a fifth year option or something. I don't know what his uh, current situation is. We'll get that with Brian later on, but uh, that's just my opinion. I think if Washington gets a quarterback, they can very well be in the mix. But, you know, right now it seems like the Giants are the best coach team in the division. The most talented team is probably Dallas on, on paper, but I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Another couple points, and if you have any comments on that, folks, feel free to chirp back at me. I know we have fans of opposing teams watching right now. Uh, Dante Pettis had a 20-yard catch in this game. Uh, longest play from scrimmage and a highlight for him. Sterling Shepard had nine catches, which is a season high, for 77 yards and one score. He had the highest PFF grade on offense this week, going over 81 folks and that's why he's our new york football giants player of the week and here's a little uh backlog on sterling look at this on the season he only has two touchdown catchers remember he did miss some time he missed a few weeks he uh he got hurt in the chicago game and then he didn't come back until week seven so he he missed four games four and a half pretty pretty much um Pretty good catch percentage. It's the highest of his five-year career. And if you look at his wide receiver standings at 77.3 on offense, according to PFF, and 76.4 for receiving, that's above average in the NFL. He he is he's basically saying that there's 32 wide receiver ones in, in the NFL, and he's pretty much in the mix for that for that discussion. And you know, Hank, we brought this up. He's the longest tenured giant. He's been here since 2016. If you're on the team for five years, you're considered a polished veteran, as Lance Meadow would say. That's exactly how it is. <laughs> yep. But what made you want to pick him as our Giants player of the week? I, I just gave you the reasons why I, I think, because I just thought that he's the one receiver that, it, guys, it wasn't just the stats. It was Sterling Shepard fights. He fights for yards after the catch. He makes those difficult catches and makes people miss tackles. When the defenders are clumping in on him, he makes them miss. So uh, that's my opinion, Hank. I want to hear yours. Why did we agree for Sterling Shepard this week? To me, I think he was really the one receiver that stuck out. A lot of them did not have a great performance. Darius Slayton didn't have a good one. And again, Austin or Alex, whatever whatever Max's first name is, <laughs> I don't know why oh. you're talking. Sorry, yeah. I had to get and, that out there. No, why no, no, it, it's him? okay. And obviously the running game, non-existent for the third game in a row. Sterling oh, wow. Shepard, clear as day, had the best game. I didn't I didn't realize it was three in a row. Interesting. Yeah, the third game in a row, they had less than 100 yards. Hey, Hank, I got a surprise for you. Look who's back in the comments section. Who? It's David. David, what's up, my man? How's it going, buddy? I may have missed you. We have missed you. Happy almost New Year. I know it's been a few weeks, and uh, we look forward to uh, – getting to your comments, questions here tonight on these Giants. Week 17, we're still in the mix, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this Week 17 game. Quick burst of thoughts. Gallman underused in crucial downs, and I agree with that uh, because yes. here's my thing, David. Remember the game against Cleveland last week where they went with Alfred Morris for an entire drive, and it was, I believe, fourth and 2 Mm-hmm. We did a shotgun draw. It was Wayne Gallman's first touch of the drive. And I was totally against that play, not because it was a shotgun draw, but you're giving the, the ball to a running back who hasn't been used the entire drive. I think as much as I like Alfred Morris, you know, he's a seasoned veteran and he, he makes good plays for us. But Wayne Gallman was underused in this game. 
I, I get it. The defense couldn't get off the field, but Wayne Gallman needs to be used more. When the Giants are able to efficiently run the football with Wayne Gallman, the Giants win football games. That's how we've been winning football games this year. It, it's not, it's not the ideal way to win football games in 2020, but it's the way the Giants win games, folks. And that's yes, that's an excellent question. And getting back, to, getting back to my point in Sterling Shepard. Thank you. Happy holidays to you as well. Anyways, getting back to my point, Sterling Shepard, he was really the player that stood out to me the most. I think for the, is the simple reason as to why I agreed with you and, and figured he would be the one. And I think he was definitely, I guess besides Deion Jones, he was really the best player on offense. And the only other player I could really think of, may, maybe Blake Martinez having 12 tackles on a broken foot. But yeah, Sterling Shepard, that, that was a clear winner. Quick reminder, folks, in just under 30 minutes, Dallas Cowboys superfan Brian Attard from North Jersey will be joining the show at 8 p.m. Um, he's he's part of the Sports Box. He is the host of Highly Opinionated with Mike Galetta. They had a hockey guest on last night, so looking forward to bringing him on. And David has another comment. Um, also, O-line has kind of went backwards since the change at coach. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. With Googs, I, I kind of agree with him. I, I, I'm not, yeah. not going to say he was worse than Colombo, but he brings up a good point where Lemieux has been used a lot more. Hernandez has been yes. used a lot less. Yes. And we, we just talked about this about five to ten minutes ago. Le, Lemieux was a fifth-round pick in this last year's draft. Hernandez was a second-round pick three years ago. And coming into this season, he's the longest-tenure Giants O-lineman because Solder opted out. Mm-hmm. And realistically speaking, he has the most experience with this football team. Why is he not playing? Because he got put on the COVID list. It was just terrible timing because he went out, missed two games, and Lemieux was pedestrian. If pedestrian is getting you starts in week 15 and 16, that's that's a problem. And I'm not, I'm not just going to single out Shane Lemieux. Cam Fleming is not a great player. Andrew Thomas took a step back this week. I mean, he's still been much better, but don't get me wrong. I think that Joe Judge had to work with these guys to kind of get them back into their groove. Googs came in, and it's a transition. Of course it's a transition because different coaches have different philosophies. Googs matches up with Gettleman – I'm sorry, not Gettleman, Judge better than Colombo did. Um, I I love that comment. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so let's Hank. We outscored Baltimore ten to seven in the second half quietly. Nobody would have thought, and in and part, the defense was able to get off the field. Yeah, and to expand on that, if you take away the first quarter, maybe it's thirteen thirteen, and they're in overtime. But that's yeah. obviously wishful thinking, pie in the sky thinking. They're right there. Very, very true. Blake Martinez had 12 tackles in this game, led the Giants while playing on a broken foot. That man is the Iron Man. Uh, I don't he's care what he says. He, he's the MVP of the team this year, in my opinion. He, he's been absolutely fantastic to watch. Uh, Cam Fleming gives gives David fear on every snap. I, look, I, I wouldn't argue against that. We're going up against Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence this weekend. So, Tom, let me ask you this. Would you agree that Dan, that Cameron Fleming's Patriot connection is probably the reason he's here based with Joe Judge? Not just Patriot connection. I don't think it's that. I think it's his Dallas connection with Jason Garrett. I right. think that's what it is because Garrett wanted familiarity. That's why he brought in Colombo. That's why Fleming got signed. And, you know, some of these YouTubers, like guys like, 
uh, Mike, too nice, and them. I, I love those guys, but they're also saying that they wouldn't mind to see Fleming back on another one-year deal. Wow. No, isn't – this is a term that you usually use – that I usually see you use with net, net pitchers, but would you agree, agree that Fleming is pretty much a Band-Aid? He is a Band-Aid. That's exactly what he is. That's exactly yeah. what he is. Um, Steve has a comment. He was super high on Slayton this year, but he really underperformed in his opinion. Uh, 48 catches, 729 yards, three scores. Steve, this was a year that I thought Slayton would have around 75 catches, 1,000 yards, and at least six scores. Slayton had two of his three touchdowns in week one. That's how bad the production has been from Darius Slayton. Now, is it entirely Slayton's fault? No. It's a combination of things. Slayton is a young receiver. He's still learning how to get open. And Shepard missed a lot of time from weeks three to six. So what does that mean? Slayton was now your number one receiver going up against these elite quarter, uh, cornerbacks, trying to create separation against these guys. Uh, that's not easy. It's not easy. And I think that's part of the reason why Slayton cooled off. Jones wasn't throwing touchdowns, turning the ball over a lot. The line you know, we, we can spend an hour on that. But, yeah, I was super high on Slayton, too, and I'm a little disappointed he only has three scores right now. Yeah, I think I, w- I would agree. I, w- I was hope- expecting to see a big year from him, too, but I can't entirely blame him given all the factors in and out of his control. But with that said, 48, 729, three, that's yeah, not really no, what we expected. No, not at all. Um Although I, I will admit, I like what I've seen from Logan Ryan as of late, back to the defense after Blake. I think Logan Ryan's been that guy. He recovered a fumble in addition to eight stops. He's the second leading tackler on the team, which is why he got the payday on Christmas Day, getting his three-year, $31 million extension. He, he wants to be with the Giants, close to home. Good for him. The rookies on defense continue to shine. Tay Crowder and Xavier McKinney, who all of a sudden, McKinney had seven tackles. He was targeted only once to not give up any catches. So defensively, I like what I've seen. It's a young defense. That's what I love about it. You have guys like Peppers, uh, McKinney, Love, Crowder, Coughlin. The defense is young, and they're only going to improve and get better over time, and they're a cheap defense. It's not like you have, besides Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, which we'll get into our off-season predictions in a couple of weeks from now, but the defense is young, and they're going to be here for a while. Yeah. Matt Pert hopefully will be ready. I agree. Slayton has had a hard season. Yeah. Then it's nothing against Slayton. It's last year he was the number three. He was the number three. Shepard and Tate were the one and two last year. Now Slayton all of a sudden – has become the number one. We've said this on this show plenty of times. Steve could tell you. David could tell you. We could tell you. Anybody that has ever been on the show can tell you that Darius Slayton is a number two wide receiver on a majority of NFL rosters. He is classic 2.0 Amani Toomer. You remember watching Amani Toomer over the years, what he was notorious for. He moved the chains. You know, he scored about six to seven touchdowns a year. That's the player we hope Darius Slayton can develop into. When Toomer started with the Giants, he didn't get much playing time. He wasn't very great at separation. It takes time. And when you're in the New York market, time is not on your side. 
people are going to talk about you. People are going to critique you and give you haywire and all that. That's just how it is. That's just how it is here in the tri-state yep. area. I'm not one of those people. I like to be a little patient um, with players. I, I like to build. I don't like to just say, oh, we have to. I like to build for success so that we that we could win for a really long time. And, um, and it's more Mario Man Manningham on that. Interesting. Mario Manningham. Sorry I missed loads of time with you guys, but can we all take a moment to appreciate Dave Gettleman for not picking Dwayne Haskins? Hank, I'll let you take this one. Dave, 100%. I completely agree. I don't want my quarterback breaking COVID protocols and going to strip clubs. I want my quarterback who has similar man mannerisms to Eli Manning. Look, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Haskins was dealt a little bit of a raw deal with Washington. It was not a talented team last year. However. And by the way, can I just say this one thing too? Yeah. He was right. The league did mess up by taking him 15. Took him too high. <laughs> Took him way too high. I'm sorry, but there, there's nothing messed up about this. I mean, people are like, oh, he went unclaimed for a reason. Well, he went unclaimed because nobody wants to pick up his $20 million deal. Anybody that's, that's who's going to charge you for, your dra for a draft viewing party, I think that probably should be a red flag. Or it should have been a red flag. But we all know, as I'm going to be saying in a few days, hindsight is 2020. And and your mother will back you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you remember Dwayne Haskins on his phone when Daniel Jones was selected sixth overall? Um, the, the smirk on his face. I knew right then and there that we made the right pick. Yeah, because no. that's just not something you do. That's a sign of immature. And remember, this guy only started that one year of being a red flag. He Reek. only started one year in college at Ohio State. Like I said, that reeked of being a red flag. He charged his friends to go to his draft party. Yep. Who you know, I actually that? forgot about that for a little bit. Who does that anyways? I don't know. I'll tell now, you. Go ahead, Hank. Where does Haskins end up? Honestly, Steve, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. He's probably going to play in the XFL for all I know. Uh, I think that comes back in 2022. So yeah, he's probably going to play in the XFL for all I know. Yeah. Um, I think Carolina has been interested, but he would be a backup there. Um, I mean, his best shots are Carolina, maybe Denver as a backup. By the way, can I mention one more positive before we get on to the negatives? And there's a whole laundry list of negatives. And that is Graham Gano, who Lance. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. No. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Gosh, you know, it's funny. We actually have an inside joke about that. Uh, Dave, Dave, you're killing me. Yeah. Great Dave to have you back, though. You, you really make the show a lot of fun. Um. Lance Meadow aptly called Graham Gano a weapon, and he's right. 29 consecutive field goals. That breaks his own personal high, which was 28, and he's now tied the Giants record, which was set by Josh Brown. And, Tom, I don't know, you got you. I said I said it multiple times. I hope he gets that one break that record for, for obvious reasons, mm -hmm. reasons that I'm not going to get into. <laughs> yes, we will – Talk about that at a later time. But uh, let's get to some of the bad things about this game. I know we've been going a little bit back and forth here, but we were unable to stop the run. 
and we couldn't run the football ourselves. Actually, this was the third straight game where the Giants rushed for over a hundred under a hundred yards. Very troubling after rushing for a hundred yards in eight of the nine previous games. The Ravens rushed for two hundred forty-nine yards. Now we knew they were the number one rushing team in football, but if you're going to give up two hundred fifty yards to the Ravens and say we're going to win this football game, you're out of your mind. No chance. Uh, the Giants, that's the most rushing yards the Giants have surrendered in a single game since the Seattle game back in 2014, where they gave up 350 rushing yards. I have a feeling Beast Mode probably got most of those that day. Yeah, Skittles had some. Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, those guys. Yeah. Even right. Robert Turbin, yeah. too. He Robert Turbin, I remember him. Yeah. Damn, that, that was a rough year for us. Uh, Gus Edwards, 15 rushes, 85 yards. Not okay. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 13 for 80. J.K. Dobbins, 11 for 77 and one touchdown. J.K. Dobbins averaged seven yards a carry. Gus Edwards averaged four and a half yards a carry. Lamar Jackson averaged around the same. He averaged around five yards a carry. So, uh, look, the Ra- I get it. The Ravens have rushed for at least 100 yards in every single one of Lamar's career games. However, that doesn't give you an excuse to give up 250 yards, folks. It just shouldn't happen. Um, and David brings up a good point. 200-plus rushing yards eats up too much clock to win games with our current attack. Yes, with the way our offense moves, it's like watching chalk dry on a wall. Yeah, and this is why after that first touchdown drive, I just kind of knew it, that it wasn't going to end well. And back to David's point earlier, Wayne Goldman only had 27 yards. So it's not like we could – really run the ball either because we weren't able to stop the run. So Baltimore's eating up all this clock and scoring points. Giants are having a throw to get back into the game. I'm not, like, the sad thing is Wade Gallman had half our yards. This rushing. is the problem. I'm not one willing to change the game plan just because we're down and our defense has given up a couple of scores until the fourth quarter or late third quarter, in my opinion, because right then and there, you're getting away from your identity as a football team and what you're doing is you're giving your defense short rest. So you still want to find a way to gain some type of momentum offensively. Rome wasn't built in a day. A comeback wasn't built on one drive either. So that's that's a great point. Uh, Daniel, D- Daniel Jones was sacked six times, hit 11 times. In other words, the O-line did take a step back. In fact, former Giants kicker Lawrence Tynes tweeted this um, this week that Daniel Jones has been sacked. I believe it's I, I read somewhere 12, but I'm pretty sure it's 13 times over his last two starts. I think you're he, right. He was sacked eight times against Arizona and he was sacked. Oh, wait, no, he didn't start against Cleveland. Colt McCoy did. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's not, not good at all. Not good at all. And in fact, what makes this even worse is that he's only one of two quarterbacks in the league to be sacked more than 10 times within two and a half seconds. So what that tells you is these aren't coverage sacks. These are clear whiffs on the offensive line or clear whiffs on Daniel Jones not being able to read a defense and not know where the blitz is coming from. I think it's and, a combination of both. And who's the main culprit for this? Who you No, no, no. I mean, which player on the offensive line? Um, You're not I, wrong about Jason Garrett, by the way. I, I think it's a mix of three guys. It's Thomas, Lemieux, and Fleming. And, and again, 
uh, not to pinpoint guys out because I, you know, I, I care about every player on this team, but yeah. uh, two are rookies and, and Fleming is not an NFL starter at this point. Bandit. What else do we got? Uh, the receivers were no help. Most of the catches weren't for a substantial, substantial amount of yards. There were bad drops. We brought up Austin Max Slayton was targeted eight times and only had two catches. One of them he had to dive out for. It was like uh, a really quick reflex on his end to make that catch. Marlon Humphrey was all over him. He had six tackles and three passes defended. So right then and there, he took away Darius Slayton from our passing game. It's not okay. And Austin Mack, in my opinion, David, Austin Mack should still be at Ohio State right now. He should still be at Ohio State. Why? He wasn't even a starter last year. He went, him and Benjamin Victor both went into the draft way too early. That's why they went undrafted. They should have stayed at Ohio State and played one more year to get full time starting reps. They're not NFL ready players, and it shows. Yeah, and I got to say, the fifth straight game where the Giants couldn't score 20, it's funny. That year I complained about them not scoring 30. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I'll gladly take that over, take 2016 production compared to this year. Not that that says much. Yeah. Uh, Our offense couldn't capitalize off 10 Baltimore penalties. They got penalized 10 times. We only had five. Majority of Baltimore's penalties were also on defense. It gave the offense an opportunity to move the football and score. Yeah, and we and two of those two of those were gifts. The um, the running into the kicker one was a gift because it led to the touchdown. And what was the other one? Um, it was the there was a pass interference one on a, a third and long from like the yes. back of our end zone late in the game. Yes, that's the one I was thinking of. There was multiple. Derek Wolf had a bad penalty. There was a couple. There was a couple. Uh, Justin Matabuk as well. And I just want to say this too. Time of possession, that matters. Giants only held the ball for 24 minutes, 51 seconds. They only ran, and as I mentioned, they only ran three plays in the first quarter, and really, they only had three drives in the first half. Yeah, big reason for a lot of what happened. What do I always like to emphasize when we get when whenever we get to the keys to the game segment? What do you always like to emphasize? We have to control the clock. That, but also. Get off the field on third down. Yeah. The Ravens, 8 for 11. That was a big reason why they won compared to the Giants, who were just 1 for 10. And four, and getting outgained 432 to 270, it's not going to win you games. No. They outgained us a lot by a lot. Lamar was excellent despite the aborted snap fumble that he had. Uh, 45 touchdowns, zero career interceptions in the red zone. That is amazing. I believe Chad Pennington was another guy. It took him a while before he threw a red zone interception. Um, Chad Pennington? Wow. Yeah. Um, little fun fact there for you. I mean, he was Don- the DC QB. I didn't, think he, I didn't think he had that streak. That's crazy. Um, we do have to move along here, though, because uh, Brian will be here in about 10 minutes. Uh, the Giants were unable to put significant pressure on the Ravens. Only three quarterback hits. Mark Andrews, six catches for 76 yards. I'm not shocked. Hollywood Brown, four touchdowns in the last five games. He's heating up at the right time. Uh, Not to mention our three-game road win streak was snapped. And, again, this winning percentage we've had over the last seven years is below 400. It's not okay. This is the worst. 
Yeah, 360 to be exact. It's the worst since the mid-70s. 74 through 80, they had a 298 winning percentage. Yep, and it's our fourth straight year with 10 losses. We went 3-13, and 5-11, and 4-12, and 12, and now either 5-11 and 11 or 6-10. and 10. So we're not, we're, we're not moving too much. It's not good. We're, we're getting consistently good, consistently good at losing double-digit games, which is not okay. But I think we're on the way up and out of that drought next year. But you brought up a good point. Um, this is especially shocking for the Giants franchise, considering all the losing that occurred during the wilderness era, as you like to call it. No, that's not my official name. A lot of people from who grew up in that era called it that. The uh, uh, that was like the mid '60s up until yes, 19- at the end. Basically, when Gifford, Huff, and Robostelli and those guys from the old school Giants Sam Huff, retired, Frank Gifford, Andy Robostelli. Yep. Actually, Huff didn't retire. He was traded to Washington. That's right. He but did yeah. play. He did play with Washington after the Giants. So. Uh, Hank, just want to check the private chat if you can for a second while I start with these key takeaways. Go for uh, it. As much as we've praised the Giants defense and the job well done by Patrick Graham, our defensive coordinator, it's still flawed. And I think the lack of an edge rusher is a big reason as to why we were unable to contain the Ravens. Losing O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter to uh, season-ending injuries were not ideal. For the Giants. Without Kyler Fackrell as well, and we did trade away Marcus Golden. So our top four leading edge rushers heading into the season. Three of them are gone. One of them will be back next week. That is Fackrell. It's Fackrell and a bunch of rookies out there. Coughlin, Cam Brown. You could throw in the veteran Jabal Sheard. However, Blake Martinez has been one of the players on this defense that has been reliable. Uh, It might explain why so many uh, tight ends have done well against this defense, because outside of Blake Martinez, we can't really cover anybody. Uh, Another key takeaway I had, Hank, was that the Giants made proper second-half adjustments to stay in the game, but Baltimore didn't let up. It's not like they were letting up. The Giants fought tooth and nail just to get back into this football game, and now this is where the discussion happens. Is Jason Garrett the main catalyst of the problem with this offense, or has he been dealt a poor hand, or has he done a poor job utilizing the talent? I think when you really look at it, it's a combination of all three of them. I mean – let, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Jason Garrett has done a great job by any stretch. No, he definitely could have done better with his play calling. Throwing a deep pass to Evan Engram is not exactly what I would call a smart move. But with that said, when you look at what he has, when you look at the fact that, that there's not enough weapons, when you look at the offensive line not being being not being at the best, it's I wouldn't say that it's entirely Jason Garrett's fault, but I'm not exactly saying he's the solution either. It yeah. goes hand in hand, basically. Um, I agree. It's going to be very interesting to see how the offense plays in Week 17 against Dallas, a defense that is not very good. Now, regardless of what the Giants do next week, it's hard to overlook the flaws this team has. Um, the Ravens did have a tough second half; they made a few mistakes, but again, the flaws showed we couldn't put we couldn't get back into the game. Uh, are Giants fans justified in wanting Dave Gettleman gone despite some of his good moves this offseason? While some people think a lot of his moves have been hits, his track record is very hit or miss. Record is 14-33 and 33 in three years at the helm. Uh, I believe the Jaguars are the only team with the worst record. 
Uh, actually, Jaguars, Bengals, and the Jets were the only three teams with worse records during that three-year span. Uh, to answer that, sorry, sorry, were you about to say something? No, I'm asking you about Dave Gettleman. Do you think um, that fans are justified in wanting him gone? To answer that question, yeah, I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've praised Gettleman a few times on the show when necessary. I mean, I think he had a good draft this year. I don't. I stand by those comments. I think he did a got good job in free agency. I'm defending that. Still, I still stand by that. However, with that being said, when you look at a lot of the moves that have that he has messed up on, there's a lot, and they're pretty glaring for sure. I think when you look at the um, the first round picks he's made, you could make the argument that. They could that they could have wait, avoided Saquon and maybe taken a quarterback. That's obviously 2020 hindsight. You could also make the case about Daniel Jones. Again, jury's still out. Talk to me about that in a year when we when we really will have a better idea of what the answer is. So, yeah, given his record, 14 and 34 is among the lowest for general managers. That's not great. I I totally. I think I can understand that more so than I understand the Daniel Jones fashion, to be quite honest with you. David says his O-line isn't good enough, doesn't have great receiver talent, and lost his star in week two. Uh, good point. H- however, the Giants, uh, the entire NFC East has been banged up, so I don't want to uh, – look, there, there, there's no no excuse, even with Barkley out, the Giants um, you know, have an opportunity to win this division this weekend. Um it's tough because a lot of people think Dave Gettleman inherited Jerry Reese's mess, right? Where Jerry Reese inherited a pretty good team dealt with, uh, dealt by Ernie Acorsi, but then Reese kind of put that team downhill after 2011, where Gettleman is kind of having to clean up six years worth of absolute trash talent on the, on this roster. I mean, we drafted Eli Apple 10th overall. That's a big part of the problem. Eric Flowers, again, I believe he was ninth. So those are just two prime examples of guys that, you know, Reese really didn't hit on. And it kind of makes you appreciate Joe Judge and what he's done under these circumstances because the head coaching hires haven't been great either. Don't get me wrong. I think Pat Shermer was a slightly better hire than Ben McAdoo, in my opinion. Uh, But there still comes a point in time where, you know, you don't always agree with Joe Judge, but it makes you happy that we have him because he's the most competent coach that we've had since Tom Coughlin. Oh, for sure. I completely agree with that 100%. And yeah, I I think he's really kept, he's held the Giants accountable. He's not trying to be his contemporaries such as Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, but he's done a good enough job. He's really had, he really has the Giants trending upward. If you had told me before the season that the Giants would probably win around five or six games, given the talent level, I, I would say that that's, that. I would say that whoever got hired would, would have been doing a reasonable job. That's very fair. Uh, a couple final statements I want to make before we bring up Brian Attard, who's backstage. Uh, the Giants are still live in the playoff race. Guys, the goal this year was to play meaningful December football. The Giants have not played meaningful December football since 2016 when we made it as a wild card at 11 and five. Uh, we are now playing meaningful January football. That is a huge step in the right direction. Throw the record out the window. This team is still in the mix. I mean, pretty much up until last week, the entire NFC East was still in the mix. But we said nothing about records in December, Hank. 
Correct. We did. And as I said at the beginning of the show, a six and nine team, or I'm sorry, was it six? Six and nine and a five and team, 10 team five playing ten. both with a playoff shot on the line. That's about as 2020 as you can get. And Steve asked a good question. Does the winner of the NFC East play Tampa no matter who it is? 100%. Yeah. No shot. The Rams get the five seed at this point. Yeah. Head coach needs to have backbone. Judge has more than Macapoo and Shermer combined. I like that. I like calling Ben Mac a doof in my – yeah, I just think I, – I, I get it. He brought us to the playoffs that one year, but I think if Coughlin was around that year, we also – Dan Reeves made it to the playoffs one year too, but he didn't have a su- successful tenure. <laughs> so, All right, folks. So we're going to switch gears now. We're going to bring up our guest – uh, Brian Attard from the Sports Box. As we preview this Dallas Cowboys game, the Cowboys are six and nine. They've won three straight. The Giants are five and ten. They've lost three straight. Without further ado, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. I uh, appreciate the invite, guys. Happy to come along and talk a little Cowboys with you, even though. I'm not really totally enthused about winning football right now. I might be in the minority in that, but I guess I have different views on where the team is right now. But happy to talk about uh, a, a, a shockingly important game with these two teams with the records that they have. <laughs> kind of reminiscent of, uh, except there wasn't much on the line back in 2004, but game last week of the season, records were identical back in 2004. A similar vibe type of feel this weekend, except with much more at stake. First off, I know we'll get into the Cowboys in a second. I just wanted to ask, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and like the, the shows you do for the sports box? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. So we're, we're the sports box. Obviously like you guys, you know, we broadcast to Facebook, we broadcast to Twitter. Uh, we have an Instagram. Uh, we have shows most nights a week. We're a podcast network. So, you know, there's shows on different topics throughout the week. We have a, I think our, cast of characters is up to a solid dozen now. So we keep adding on content and content. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to be able to just like interact with people and, and talk about the things you have a passion for. And I see, obviously, you know, you guys have a very good passion for the Giants. I'm a huge Rangers fan. So we probably should have some overlap with that. Yes, uh, but yes. it's, it, it is a lot of fun. We've been doing it now for a couple of years. Uh, we just recently broke 13,000 followers on our page, which, you know, it, it, it's kind of surreal sometimes that that many people care what you have to say, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's been pretty cool. So if you're looking for us, it's at Sportsbox Show. Uh, like I said, you'll probably find one or two things that you, uh, you you'll enjoy. You're not you'll have different shows for different uh, different folks, but we we try to cater to everybody. Awesome stuff. I know you and your co-host Mike Galetta spoke last night on highly opinionated with former NHL player Daryl Stanley. I, I caught some of that. Very good stuff. Yeah, uh, really appreciate it. He had yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. I didn't know he had dial-up internet though in Manitoba. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> that added a little yeah. bit of uh, <laughs> obstacles, but we got we got there. So, gosh, I was like in diapers, and that was a thing. Yeah. So if you want to go check out Brian, we'll uh, pin that social media stuff again towards the end of the segment. But uh, Brian, first off, um, how did you become a Cowboys fan? I know you're. A Rangers, Yankees, and a Cowboys fan, which is an interesting trio. Of- it is, <laughs> you know, and I get that question a lot. So I live in South Jersey, so it's basically the heart of Eagles country. So I get that question a lot, actually, because we're not a very liked bunch of people in this part of the country. But I, I am a Rangers fan first. If you, if you guys are in the New York market, you you may have seen my LGR, by the way on MSG network. We actually, my Ranger man cave in the basement was featured in a commercial there. So the, the Rangers are so far and away my favorite team, but when you're eight, nine years old and you're a big Rangers fan and you live in this area, 
you get crap for that for, by the Flyers fans, which which is natural and expected. So you find yourself gravitating towards the team in football that those stupid kids hated, which <laughs> it happened to be the Cowboys. It could have been the Chargers. It could have been the Seahawks, but it happened to be the Dallas Cowboys. So that's the uh, that's the cross that I bear. Um, you know, since my formative years, they've not actually been a, a picture of contention or, you know, anything positive, frankly. But it is what it is. Once, once you hit a certain age, your team's your team. You don't change. So – it is it's the cross that I bear. Absolutely. All right, yeah. Hank. Yes, and I can totally relate to you on the Ranger level. I'm also a hardcore fan, and I'm I think the team's looking pretty good this year. I can't very, wait to see. It. Very exciting times. Not maybe not right now, but like the net, like after this year when the money comes off the table yes. into next year, it's a rocket ship, and I'm I'm very excited about. It. Yes, sir. Uh, so the first question I want to ask you is: with the Cowboys being on a three game winning streak, do you see that this team as a a team that's capable of making a possible playoff run. Absolutely not. No. And that's the thing. It's, and this is what happens with, again, the problem with the NFL these days is, is there are so few teams that are actually any good, right? That you mm-hmm. you're gonna have spots in your schedule where you're coming up against teams that frankly are equal to you, slightly worse than you. And you fi- and you, you know, it's the yings and yangs of the, of, of the season, you know, they, they, they've gone into a, a, a couple games here against the Eagles, uh, you know, against the 49ers and the third game's escaping me right now, but you've hit that soft spot in the schedule. They weren't going to lose all these games because it's still a talented roster, despite the fact that they have serious coaching issues on the defensive side of the ball, injuries all over the place. These things tend to even out at some point. It's the NFL. They try to make everybody eight and eight, right? That's the goal. So it's 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 not a roster that is untalented. I mean, you can point to a lot right. of rosters in the league. I mean, they were expected to do something this year if they were healthy, which they're not. Um, I will tell you, though, that I, I – you know, and I've had these discussions with people all, the, all over the internet because I, I know I don't know if I'm in the minority or not, but I think that they're doing themselves a massive disservice by winning the games that they have won. I mean, they were really in line to get top three, top five draft pick. And when you're looking at what this team is moving forward, they do have holes to fill and they have salary cap issues. And you know, whether you think they would have picked at three or five or whatever. You can trade down from there if you need to. You have that value. And at the end of the day, being that I don't think they're going to do a whole lot in the playoffs if they get there, the juice is not worth the squeeze for me. I'd much rather have the value in the pick. I mean, you talk about the Rangers, for example. They didn't make the playoffs for a couple of years. They got very, very lucky in the lottery, but look at where we are. Look at San Francisco a couple of years ago. That Jimmy G went down early in the year. They bottomed out. They got Nick Bosa second overall. They're in a Super Bowl the next year. So like, you, you, you gain that kind of talent. It's so important. The, this is lipstick on a pig to me. This is cosmetic wins against bad teams. I just this doesn't move the needle for me. <laughs> By the way, I think you like my mom's comment. I, I, I do love mine. Um, to me, it's just I don't really know. I don't know what to make of it because again, this is this is not the team that they're going to be next year. Right? Andy Dalton's not going to be the quarterback. Whether you think it's Dak or not, we can have that discussion. It's probably not going to be Andy Dalton. Your offensive line will get healthier next year. That's going to be a big strength of the team moving forward. And they got to do fix some defensive problems, preferably with the defensive coordinator. It's not as if like, like if this was a team that was on the cuff, that was coming up and say, yeah, okay, get some playoff experience. Like get that under your belt and move on. This is still, this is, this is mostly a veteran team. So I don't really going to gain that from finding a way at potentially seven and nine to win a division and sneak in to get kicked in the balls on national television. But 
like I said, I mean, look, they, they've won the games. I've not been very happy about it because, again, I thought that they could have really helped this team significantly in the draft. Whether you thought they could get as high for the top tackle from Oregon, which would have been a nice add, whether you thought they could get into a quarterback, again, given Dak's contract situation, or whether you thought they could just trade down and fill holes, there's value to that pick. Whereas to me, these games beating the Niners and the Eagles – it doesn't do anything for me in this specific year because I don't think there's light at the end of the tunnel this year. Hmm. That totally makes sense. And um, you mentioned Andy Dalton. I kind of got to follow up on that one. What are your overall thoughts on his performance since he was pretty much, I'm not going to say taking over. He was pretty much thrust into that role ever since the group Dak Prescott injury. I, I don't think you can be upset about it. You know, I said coming into the year, my, my longer term questions about Prescott would be, how much better are you than a guy like Andy Dalton in what I felt when healthy is a very good offense that would warrant me giving you so much more money than it gives me than I get to give a guy like Andy Dalton. I'm not saying that Andy Dalton's better than Dak Prescott. So don't, don't take it the wrong way, but is Dak Prescott that much better? Is he twice as better where he needs, he needs significant amount more money in a cap league. That's, I mean, that, that questions about that. Right. So like in Philly, they had the questions obviously before, Jalen Hurts took the job, you know, where is Carson Wentz? I've always believed that Carson Wentz has done more with less and Dak has done less with more because the results are the Eagles make the playoffs, whether they do anything or not, they get there. The Cowboys don't. So Dak figuring you should give all this talent around you, a great offensive line receivers that are very, very good. It's supposed to be an elite running game. Yeah. And, and just the question here, I, I, I think it, it does because as a fan, they should be terrible. If, if Dak Prescott is a Russell Wilson contract, if he's a Patrick Mahomes contract, a guy who is worthy of $35, $40 million a year, which is nuts in its own right, then you should be elevating the people around you. The fact that there could be seven and nine, two wins less than they were last year, I believe, at nine and seven or eight, anyway, they were. Why? Like, what are you bringing to the table? And why am I going to give you this money? Now, I don't doubt that they'll find a way to do it, but. To, to me, it's I, I don't think you can be upset at all with what Andy Dalton has done as the quarterback of this team because what were your expectations after Dak went down in week five, really? So the right. fact that that's yeah. why I'm saying, like, had they just went and just lost a bunch of games, I'm not saying the players need to tank. Be realistic. Yeah. I mean, the Jets had no business win the last two games. That's a disaster and a half. You, you, you hurt yourself long term doing this. To, to me, it's, you know, I, I the question came in just, again, Dak versus Dalton. I, you can't really be upset with what Dalton's provided, but I think it does lend credence to the to the theory that it's a very good surrounding cast there, and it has potential despite the fact that they've had the injuries that maybe you do not need to commit $35, $40 million a year long-term to a quarterback who, right. you know, what, what has he really done other than put up yeah. gaudy numbers because the defense sticks? That's a good point. Now, I kind of want to dive into Ezekiel Elliott because right now a lot of Dallas's money is go is going. I mean, it's going to end up being Zeke and Dak, in my opinion. I think they're going to have to end up paying him. I, I don't think, as, as a Giants fan, I'd love to see them do it because it cripples them financially. But oh, I, 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 in the long run, I don't think they should sign Dak to that caliber of of a deal. I, I personally don't think he's worth it. But Zeke had a really strong performance last week after missing week 15. Tony Pollard got the start. And, you know, Pollard was kind of sprinkled in. He was getting pretty much half the touches. He was getting more at some points uh, than Zeke. How do you think Zeke and Pollard match up against this giant stout defensive front? Because they've been the teeth of our defense 
for the past two years now, historically, our defensive front has been great. I mean, you know that. You see us twice a year. But we got eaten up alive last week by the Ravens, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, those those guys. I think the Cowboys are going to have to run the ball because I do think that – I think they're going to force it to Zeke because they want to end up on a good note. The the problem for me, and I mentioned this to you as we were chatting, is what you're seeing now – and you're going to see this in a couple of years, in my opinion, is why it is, it's just not smart to draft running backs high and then give them big contracts because right. Tony Pollard looked like the better running back at, at times this year. And Tony Pollard's making nothing and Zeke's in the middle of a massive, massive contract, which they had to give him after giving after they took him as high as they did. Cause it's a sunk cost. You're not going to give up on a guy who you put that kind of a pick into. Um, I think Pollard has been a bit of a, a diamond in the rough and I'm a believer in, you know, draft running backs later in drafts, you know, re- reuse, recycle, like bring guys in when they're young and move on before that second deal. Um, so, I mean, it's nice to see Pollard doing well. My bigger concern, I, I th- now get me wrong, I, I think Zeke's getting a bad rap this year because I think that fantasy football has dwarfed our view <laughs> of how it's done. Like, yeah. oh, you're not helping my fantasy team, so now you suck, right? But, right. you know, from a yardage standpoint, reality. Zeke's about eighth in the league right now. I think it was like 940 yards or so. It's only about 35 less than Josh Jacobs, who I don't think anybody's too upset about that. Right. Um, hold on one second. I'm getting a... My wife's asking me for something. Sorry, I had to respond to that. Fatherhood, right? Um, <laughs> totally... All good. No worries. But, but the difference, he only has five touchdowns. That's the difference. So Pollard has four in a much, a much shorter period of time. And then when you're not getting those fantasy numbers, and again, TV loves to, loves to focus on that because that's what people kind of relate to. If you're good at fantasy, you're good at football is, is, is the idea. Well, now you're not scoring touchdowns. Oh, so now you're fumbling the ball too. So now we're going to focus on that, and that just gets blown out of proportion. It happens. I'm not saying it's good, but it does happen from time to time. So I was not happy that they drafted Elliott. Um, when they did fourth overall, I was very, very much looking for Jalen Ramsey. And, and really, you look, you look at the team right now, look at where they would be now if they had an elite cornerback like that, which they don't have. And then obviously, they could have taken right. Derrick Henry in round two. That was the draft I wanted. <laughs> I didn't get draft would have made more sense. Here we are. You um, a great point, yeah. But I do think that I don't know how much longer Dallas can keep this guy under contract. If, if this is what he's going to be and running backs age very quickly. I mean, that's, it's, it's the, the shortest career span in the league for the most part. Um, you, you lose it like a cliff. Like, it's not like you like just go down. I and mean, not everybody's Frank Gore. Like you just, you fall off a cliff. Yeah. If you look at his contract in two years, they can get out of it with um, some cap savings. They may have to do that just by force because they got to find money to keep the quarterback. Cause I, I do agree. I think they're going to pay Prescott. I may not be in love with the idea, but it is what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm at terms with that. But he's not he's not looked good this year. But then it brings me to the fact of, okay, offensive lines had major injuries. You know, again, there's no Tyron Smith. Travis Frederick retired out of nowhere. Zach Martin's been hurt. Lyle Collins, who was a steal where they got him in free agency because that whole off-the-field issue, he's been unbelievable, hasn't been there this year. Okay. So then you say, well, Zeke is, Zeke is struggling because of the offensive line. I'll give you that. But if that's the case – why am I paying you for? If you're a product of the offensive line, I'm going to go pay them, not you, because obviously I can get production out of a guy like Tony Pollard, who I'm paying absolutely nothing to, and use that money somewhere else. Right. And that's like Pollard's success. The problem 
Like, it's not quite Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, right? But the problem is the more Pollard succeeds, the more pressure there is on Zeke. And then it's like, now you're you're gripping the ball, gripping the bat as a football equipment. Like, you're like, you're doing everything that you can to try to validate your existence. Right. And I haven't really seen it from him this, this year. I think it's been a down year for everybody. But next year is a really like a make or break year for him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if – you know, there's some talk after next season of them moving on from him, which is wild considering how big that contract was. That's a great point. You know, you seem like a Cowboys fan that definitely has your head on right. I I, I see what you're saying because Dallas is in a situation right now where I'm a huge Zach Martin fan because I love Notre Dame. And I, I think him and Quentin Nelson are probably, you know, they've been two of the top guards in the league for a while now. And you're right. I think Zeke is a product of that O-line. As good as he is, you still have to worry about him. And I think this year with Dallas, what's given them a lot of success lately, they're, they're wide receivers. Uh, Sadiq Lamb, a mid-round flyer, a guy who kind of fell into their lap in this year's draft. I mean, you sit here and we're, we're talking about these past drafts, but Sadiq Lamb went off against the Giants last time back in week five, Brian and Hank. Uh, how pleased are you with his development in his rookie season. I came into the draft thinking he was the best receiver in the draft. Now, having said that, I wasn't really happy with the draft because I didn't think they needed a wide receiver. Coming out of a year where Amari Cooper had a great year last year, got a big deal as a result of it. Michael Gallup, who's been a, a late round fine, who's been very good. Like you look at a team and you say, wow, the one thing they really don't need is a wide receiver. And that's what they go take in the first round of the draft. But he did fall to a spot where it's like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, he's, he's so high up on the, on the board you know, you have to stay true to your board. So I, I understand that piece of it. That also yeah. may allow them to move on from Amari Cooper in a, in a year or two when his deal and the dead money comes off of that. So I, I or maybe Gallup doesn't get a deal. We'll see. Love the player. I, I just don't, I don't love the fact that where they were defensively, they had a need they didn't really fill. And you really, you're kind of seeing that now in the defensive results because they're terrible defensively. I mean, if, from the Giants' perspective, if I'm looking to attack this Cowboys offense, I'm doing it in two ways. I am running the ball and I am throwing bombs downfield because that's what their weaknesses are. They're the worst run defense in the league. Worst. but And it wasn't that bad last year. This is all on Mike Nolan because the personnel hasn't really changed that much. And there were a couple of games. Um, it was the Cleveland game and the Baltimore game. They allowed about 300 yards rushing a piece. It does skew the numbers a little bit, but you can absolutely run on the Cowboys. I would expect Wayne Gallman to have a, a very, very good day uh, this weekend, frankly. And I, given where, what, what Garrett likes to do, it doesn't really surprise me. Um, I, I just it, – it's it just it's a weird spot. The whole game to me is weird, and we mentioned it before because these are two, frankly, below-average football teams that are that have so much impact on the playoffs for at least a right. week. It's just, it's it, it kind of you know it's just kind of weird. But if I like if I'm the Giants, I'm I'm really running to set up a play-action bomb, and I think that that'll beat them every time. So let me ask you this regarding the Cowboys. Let's say let's say they win this week and they get in. Who would you say you're most comfortable playing with in the playoffs? If, 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 if you're comfortable playing anybody at all, like, cause I know you're not, I know. No, you very, I mean, look, look at that's about their chances. So the teams that they would play, obviously Tampa Bay, I think would be the five. I think Tom Brady would yep. rip them to shreds. They don't have the offense yep. to keep up with, with, with them, with the scoring. And not even that you talk about a, a weak secondary, Mm-hmm. Who are you going to block? Are you going to block Mike Evans? Or are you, are you are you going to block Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, the tight ends? I mean, it's it's as talented an offense as, as there is in football. I think Tampa's a bad matchup. Uh, if they get the Rams, 
the upside to that is if golf's coming off of a thumb injury, maybe he's not fully there. Yeah. Maybe you find a way to sneak one at that point. I, I don't think they match up well with anybody. I mean, I've lately the last couple of years, the, the, the four seed in, in, in the conference has really been the one you don't want to be because you're getting that fifth mm-hmm. seed who would probably have been a better record than you in most cases, or would have won a division or it just happened to be behind a very good team. Right. So I, I just don't know that any, any, I think they would be an underdog, a significant one to anybody who would come in there if, if they find a way to get through this. Right. I'm, not, I'm not taking for granted, by the way. Um, but I think that the points wise, like, it, like, would it honestly shock you if Tampa Bay was an eight and a half point favorite going into Dallas? I would not be shocked by that at all because of how, how good Tampa is and how well that they've played. Eight From a Rams standpoint, maybe a little more, but their defense is so good. So then it's like, well, can you even score on them? And they lost the Rams a couple years ago in the playoffs healthy. Um, I, I don't think there's a road here. And that's why, like I said, like, I feel like they've done themselves a disservice winning these games because the better path long-term was go get yourself some talent cost control, right. not this cause. I mean, listen, quarter of the league wins a division. Like it's not something to really be proud of. Like, okay, we want a division. It's great. Especially not this one. And if you go on national TV and lose badly, I just don't know what you've accomplished for a veteran team. It's not a young team that needs that experience. That's to, it's not even the right quarterback. So yeah. to me, there's just not a lot to be excited about. And that's why I said I get in these, these arguments with people like, oh, you got to root for your team. Yeah, you do. For your team to win what's important, not this nonsense. But here we are. I mean, I think for our sake, I, I think for Giants, like I, I want to win this game. Like I want to get in. You know, this is a young team that could use that playoff experience. And there's a lot of Giant fans on social media. that I, I just I ignore social media. I, I don't really comment. Uh, on this stuff, I just kind of do my piece on on here. But the thing is, Brian and Hank, like, there's so many Giant fans that are saying, "Oh, you know, we could still finish in the top three in the draft. The Giants could either make the playoffs or get a top three pick if they lose, and then a bunch of the teams in front of them uh, win yeah. this week." And I think that's a shame to even think about. Don't you want to make the playoffs? Because I understand Tampa Bay's in, in, an improved team, but the Giants have been competing. I mean, we beat Seattle on the road. Nobody does that. And we lost to Tampa Bay by two. Daniel Jones is probably one less turnover away from the Giants winning that football game. They're a young team. So I think it, it, with with a, with a new coach, I mean, I really, you know, after, um, after Coughlin left, it's, it's, it really hasn't worked out whether it was McAdoo or, um, or Shermer, like it just, they just really weren't good fits for that team. So, I think from a, a psychological standpoint for a guy like Joe Judge, who I think has done a tremendous job, by the way. Like, I mean, I think we can agree. It's not an overly talented roster. Yeah. Um, losing your biggest offensive playmaker early on in the year, whether you think he should have been – whether you think he should have been drafted or not, which I'm happy to discuss with you, but um, he is. And, you know, to lose a guy like that early on and still be in the spot you're in right now speaks a lot to Joe Judge. It was a great hire. And, and I think that when it was made, people had their concerns about it because, you know, it's a guy who hasn't coached before. You always – that wild card, like what is he really going to be? Um, I think he's done a great job. I mean, let's point blank. The Seattle game cost me money. I'm not going to lie about that. So, um, <laughs> go in New Jersey. Um, I mean, like I've, I've been impressed with, with what they've done given the situation that they're in. As far as them picking high in the draft, I get that. And there was some talk of – earlier in the year when they were they were – pretty bad to start off. I, I made a comment on the show. I said, I think that Trevor Lawrence ends up in New York. I'm just not sure which team. Um, Cause I thought that that was a very viable 
scenario that if everything bottomed out, that they would be in position to take a quarterback. Now I don't think that they are. Um, I don't dislike Daniel Jones. I don't like where they took him because I feel as though they bought too much into the bluff. And I think he'd have been there at 17. I think if you get him at 17, you feel totally different about the whole thing, but to take a guy at six, you know, you got, when I came on, you guys were talking about Gettleman and the, the draft. I don't necessarily know that they've drafted overly well early in drafts. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I look back at the Saquon pick. Coming into that draft, for example, I thought they, sh- they should do one of a couple of things. One's, one was trade down because you had holes to fill at the time. One was Bradley Chubb because I figured they, they really did need a, a, yeah. a pass rush defensive end in the air, in the ilk of a, of a LT with the jersey behind you. Um, or, <laughs> or, or, or Quentin Nelson. Uh, it wasn't so much that they, they needed a quarterback. I didn't necessarily love the guys at the top of that draft anyway, but I think Quentin Nelson is one of the best players in the league, especially his position. It's a one that you obviously need. And obviously, Tom, you know what I'm talking about with being a Notre Dame guy. Um, it, it felt like they took Saquon because if you were trying to extend Eli's career, the quickest way and most efficient way to do that is give him an offensive weapon he can use right away. Right. Mm-hmm hasn't really worked out that way. I think you will grit your teeth when he signs the contract he's going to sign despite his injuries. Because again, number two overall pick in the draft who's played well, you don't walk away from that. It's not like a Leonard Fournette situation. Yeah. Um, so they, they've kind of made their bed there for better or for worse. They're yeah. going to have to live with that. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the long-term answer there. I think he's just too up and down. Um the, the numbers aren't really there, but having, but to be fair, it's his first year with it, with a new head coach, you know, too often you see these guys, I hate using the example because I don't think he was very, very good, but Jason Campbell was a quarterback, went through like six offensive coordinators in like six years. Like he was constantly changing what he, the everything he was doing. Yeah. How can you expect someone to be successful in that scenario? So I would like to see Daniel Jones next year with a healthy Saquon, Probably a better offensive line because I, I think they'll attack a little bit more of that in the draft and another year of Joe Judge. And I think that then you can decide where the Giants need to be longer term at quarterback. I'm not I'm not ready to give up on the kid yet. Yeah. But I, like I said, I think this 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 whole narrative changes if he's a 17th pick in the draft. Right. I'm a, yeah. I'm a Daniel Jones believer. Uh, I'm the first one to admit that. I'm still on the on the fence about him as like long term as you guys are. I'm a little more optimistic than Hank is about Jones. The thing with me is. Washington, I, you know, you didn't know what they could possibly pull off, and we know what happened to Haskins this week. Sure. I didn't want to end up with him. I was no, very, I, I, I was agree. very against yeah. taking him. Um, if anything, as I was also a big Eli guy, I was very conservative as far as not wanting to give up on Eli. But eventually, there comes a point in time where it's not you; it's the direction that the team is headed, and that's what happened there in New York. And you know, right now. I've got to tell you, despite all the struggles Daniel Jones has had this year, I mean, he's played well enough to keep the Giants in the conversation. And I think that goes unnoticed. The turnovers have been few and far between. The problem is he doesn't put up the numbers that people want to see. And you know how New York fans are, being from New New Jersey. There's no patience. Everybody wants to win now. And everybody's selfish. They, they, They just, you know. Oh, let's sign Allen Robinson. Let's sign Kenny Galladay. No, that's uh, in my, my opinion. That's dumb. You have to build that wide receiver talent through the draft, yeah. Because you have to sign Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson this offseason, and they're probably walking away from Dalvin Tomlinson. The Giants have walked away from defensive tackles after their rookie contract since 2000. 
Barry <laughs> Cofield and uh, Cornelius Griffin are two examples of that. Yeah. Yeah, I pretty much agree with, I would say 95% of what Tom said, if not more. Like, he and I talk about this all the time. I, I may not be as high on Daniel Jones necessarily as he is, but with that having been said, I'm not ready to give up on the guy. In fact, I'm a true supporter of him too. Like, you look at him, he's got the same mannerisms as Eli Manning. He's not it's a guy. It's crazy, that, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, like, even the way they walk, it's so weird. It really is. It's so well, weird. They play nothing alike. Yeah. No, they don't. But, like, they have the similar mannerisms. So how can you not root for the guy? But with that having been said, yeah, the turnovers – and the other flaws, he is a bit up and down. That's why I'm not 100% sold. However, with that being said, talk to me next year, see where the Giants at, then you'll then I'll have a better answer and a better idea. But I think, and, I think I think the anti-Jones crowd too, that they assume, right yeah. or wrong, that had they not gone quarterback that year, they would have this past year, and the team was rumored to be in love with Justin Herbert, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers for the Chargers. So right. you always like play the what if game, like, well, what if we didn't do this, and then we would have taken Herbert? What would it look like? Which you really can't do because you don't because everything changes, right? Yeah, uh, you know. So like, I get it. I didn't really know that they were in a spot they had to get a quarterback that year. So. In theory, like had they gone somewhere else at six and then had had you know Jones been taken, which I still don't think he would have been, they weren't really like they had to go get somebody. Yeah. It's 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 you know water under the bridge now. I think I think yeah. to me the mistake was was Saquon just because to me the running back I, I never draft him early and never pay him. Like I'm not gonna I, that's I that's a core belief of mine. But if you're yeah. going to do that, it's because you have a ready-made team, and that's a cherry on top because the careers are so are so short, relatively speaking. Like if you had a quarterback, your offensive mm-hmm. line was good, defense is playing fine, and all of a sudden you have a pick where you can go take a running back to, you know, kind of like the Chiefs basically because I mean they didn't really need anything else. Like they they took Edwards Hilaire because well, what else do we need? We're fine. We just won the Super Bowl. So it's just a positional thing for me. Yeah, and you know what? Before I ask my next question, I kind of want to. So I kind of pretty much side with you on the Saquon Barkley thing. Like there's a reason why if you talk to me like during the draft, like if you knew me, I would have told you that I'm not hundred percent. I, I wasn't hundred percent on board with the idea of taking him. Like I was welcoming him with open arms. Cause like it is what it is. It's what the Giants do. Nothing I can do about it, you know? Right. But with that having been said, yeah, I, I totally saw the risks in taking Saquon. I even, I even remember making a Facebook post on my page where I listed the pros and cons of taking him. So that that's how, you know, I wasn't hundred percent confident, but, yeah, you're right. I think basically the, the being at the top spot of the draft, there's really it's it's a crapshoot, I think is kind of what we we've been saying. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, let's talk about Giants players who who we got to look out for. Who who is the guy that you probably fear most like going into this game? I I think Evan Ingram eats him up. I think he had a great game yeah. against them in week 5. I think they're very susceptible there, but also, you know, it, it, he Jones has really had pretty good uh, chemistry um, with Darius Slayton and Darius Slayton is a guy who can, who can beat a, who can beat a defense deep. And again, I, I'm not a huge fan. It's not so much the Cowboys personnel because I think that their cornerbacks can be good. They were pretty good a year ago, even though they lost Byron Jones. Um, but they can be beat deep, whether it's this defense and, and Mike Nolan needs to, needs to get on the first car out of Dallas when this game is over, no matter what happens. Um, they need, they need a change in a, a, a D coordinator or, or from being dramatic, they could give them the Willie Randolph treatment. The next game. <laughs> You know what? Just we're going to leave you here. You know what? Just to stay here. You're fine. <laughs> um, to to me, I I think I, it wouldn't shock me at all to see to see the the Giants. You know, again, 
run that ball, establish that because the Cowboys are so weak at it and that's expected. And then that play action to like a, a deep throw to a guy like Slayton, I think is going to, is going to be there for them. And the, it, the biggest thing is, you know, are the Cowboys going to bring guys up from the secondary to kind of help that shaky run defense, which will leave somebody open in the secondary. And if, if that's there, if Jones sees it, I think it's going to be there most of the game. That's probably the biggest defensive concern that I have. Not that I think Wayne Gallman's overly talented, not a bad, not a bad player, but he's not somebody who he's not say, like, you don't game plan for Wayne Gallman. Like if it's Saquon right. from a talent perspective, but, but you can run the ball on them, whether you're Gus Edwards or anybody else. I mean, that's, it's not as if they've been that good at stopping anybody. So that's my concern is again, if, if you can get that run going and now they're, they're watching for that, that deep game is going to be wide mm-hmm. open. Yeah, that's a good point too. Because yeah. Slayton in Week Five had eight catches, 129 yards against Dallas. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that he could potentially have. I, th- I think he's overdue for another good game. The yeah. problem with me is I'm not a big fan of Evan Ingram. He's the most Jekyll and Hyde player in football, even more than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, he just he he wows you at certain points. Where like, oh, he does things that some yeah. wide receivers can't do. And there's times where he just makes those costly drops, like the Philadelphia game, to mm-hmm. be specific, on Thursday oh, yeah. night football. Oh, yeah. And it just makes you scratch your head and like, why, why, why the hell is he still? Why, why do we pick up his fifth year option? You know, he's one of the four pre Gettleman players. So it just makes you sit there and think like, fans of other teams actually fear this guy, you know? And I, I just think, yeah, he, he's great and all, he's quick, he's athletic, but. I mean, he's also been a cause for a lot of our turnovers this year as well. So I think it goes hand in hand where you fear him if you're an opposing team, but you fear him if he's on your own team too, for those reasons. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Giants this year, right, offensively, I mean, coming into that Cowboys game, I think they were averaging like 12 points a game and then they put up 34, which was their season high against the Cowboys. They haven't broken 27 since. So they've struggled offensively, but they didn't struggle against the Cowboys. So that means that they cannot struggle again. And that's where, you know, Ingram had a nice game against them and they, they're susceptible to that tight end. I think the thing about him is you, you just get enamored with the talent and the potential, and it happens all the time. They're, they pick a fifth-year option up because we put a first-round pick into this guy. Like, you don't want to be wrong. And you would also don't want to, like, let him – like, look at – horrible example. Trubisky's actually having a decent year. Out of nowhere, the Bears don't have his – didn't pick up his option. So now what's that contract look like? At the end, it's just right. money. Like, they can, you can get out of that if you need to. At most first-round picks, unless you're totally terrible, they're going to pick the option up. So I wouldn't necessarily read into him longer term because they did that. All the talent's there. He just – he does need to put it together. Um, and it, 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 I can see why you'd be frustrated because every year he's a fantasy darling. Oh, I got Evan Ingram in the seventh round. Great. And then it doesn't pan out. Um, so I can see as a fan of the team, why you'd feel that way. Kid's still a talented guy. I, I think if he's used right, he could be a much better player, but it's, he's got to do it too. It's not just, it's not just, yeah. he's got to do it too. Absolutely. And, one more question for you, Brian, before we get into our predictions for the game is Mike McCarthy. Now, I know the offense has had their struggles this year, despite you know scoring a lot of points. The defense has been a whole other story. I know Van Der Esch has been banged up the yeah. whole year. You guys have really been without several players. But Mike McCarthy, and how do you feel about the job he's done in his first year as head coach, I think, in my, my opinion, got off to a rough start, but he's recovered quite nicely the last few weeks down the stretch. You know, when they hired him, I was all for it because this is, it's not, 
like a Joe Judge wouldn't work because it's a veteran team that was supposedly ready to win now. It's not like you can go bring in a Matt Rule or a guy like this where you're going to rebuild it again. This is a pretty veteran team with older players in some cases. So McCarthy is a guy who the perception is he's not going to be a Jerry Jones puppet. If they brought in Lincoln Riley, for example, then, you know, Jerry's probably, you know, at least elbow deep, right? So it, 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 it kind of is what it is. Um, he has, he, because of COVID, never had the offseason to put his, his actual offense in. And, and you have to be fair. I said coming into the year, the Eagles, for example, had, had the great advantage in the division because they had continuity head coach. Judge was coming in. Rivera was coming in. McCarthy was coming in, trying to basically change everything when you don't have that traditional camp to do it in. My concern, though, is now you're going into year two. Of, and I, he should be back. I have no problem bringing him back. I don't think it was ever one and done. I think that the, yeah. no one needs to you know, get hit by a car. But other than that. Um, Actually, you know what? I'm going to be more dragged. Maybe give him the Steve Martin treatment if you've ever seen Planes and Trains. I have not, but I'll have to go look at it now. Um, <laughs> so I, I was fine with it. But my, my concern was, too, with Dak, right? So Dak wasn't long-term committed. This was supposed to be the year to me where, okay, let's see if Mike McCarthy can work with Dak Prescott before Dak Prescott gets a deal. We still don't know that. We didn't get the question answered because Dak got hurt in week five. So, right. But having said that, right? Go back to the first four games of the season prior to the Gi- when they beat the Giants. They should have been 0 and 4. The only reason they had a win was because the Atlanta Falcons don't even have to pick the ball up on an onside kick. And you can go over all those offensive gaudy numbers. That's great. Football is a game of flow. You don't put up the numbers the Cowboys put up if your defense can stop a nosebleed, which they couldn't the first four weeks of the year. It's all relative. You have to have 500 yard games because your defense stinks. McCarthy question mark. I don't know if he finishes the whole five years, but I'm I'm not ready to get off of that train yet. I I in the end of the day, they could be seven and nine in a year where they lost their starting quarterback and most of their offensive line early on. Whether that's good or not, and I don't think it's very good, but whether it's you think it's good or not, it's reality. There weren't that far off in wins from what they were a year ago with a skeleton crew that they had. So without Zach. Right. I mean Again, whether you're a Prescott guy or not, he's still your starting quarterback. Like you don't expect to win too many games when you don't have your starting quarterback. It's the NFL; it's a quarterback league. Right. They may end up seven and nine, regardless. Neither here nor there. But I, I'm, I think McCarthy with a, with a, with a regular off season, um, you know, and, and another year with these players, I think they sh- they should be better. The offense is really never. I mean, look at what Dalton's done again, even without Dak. I mean, Dalton's been fine. It's that defense they have to fix. So, being he's an offensive guy now, if Kellen Moore leaves. To go coach in college, we'll see how they do the the um, the play calling. But he's not the problem. I mean, there are problems in Dallas. I I, I wouldn't say it's Mike McCarthy. So as we kind of just recapped quickly here, Giants lost to Dallas thirty seven to thirty four back in Week Five. That was the most points the Giants scored in the game all year. We haven't really hit thirty since. Um, that was rough. And then, of course, Dallas last week in week 16, they eliminated Philadelphia from playoff contention, 37-17 to 17 win. So now it's a three-team race in the NFC least. Um, <laughs> the Giants have not beaten Dallas since, two, since 2016. So it's been four years, similar to our drought against Philadelphia. Uh, you know, with that being said, the Giants are battling some injuries. This week, in addition to Dallas, uh, Evan Ingram left the Baltimore game, as we know, with an injured ankle. His status is up in the air. 
Darnay Holmes, our rookie fourth-round cornerback, is expected to be back, and so is Kyler Fackrell, returned to practice. He should suit up on Sunday, infamously known for interception touchdown back in week five. Dallas is battling injuries as well. They have 17 players on the injured list. Currently, Zach Martin announced will not play with a calf injury. Is Brian giving the thumbs up there? I'm used uh, to it. It's, 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 it's been a, a medical ward. And I've got to tell you something, your whole O-line, I think that's been the biggest key, even with Dak, mm-hmm. like losing four of those guys, and that includes Zach Martin, of course. I mean, Joe Looney, Tyler Baidas, the, the center. It's, like, but it's it's been the strength of the team forever. Yeah. People forget, right? People forget that the year before Zeke got drafted, Darren McFadden, who stinks at football, had 1,000 yards behind that behind that line. So right. it, it go, I go back, I hate to go back to that draft, but like I just – like what's what is the marginal benefit of a guy like Zeke over a second round pick? And if it's twenty yards a game, is that worth not having Jalen Ramsey? I don't think so. So right, you're right. I mean, it's it's been such a core for them for so long, and everything's kind of built built through that. That when that when the injury when the Frederick decided to just walk away for you know his own reasons, that was a shock. Yeah. And everybody getting hurt, and that's where they got to figure that out longer term because you know time catch up to everybody but yeah that offensive line issue has been huge this year for the cowboys and again big reason why zeke's been the way he's been but then why are you, why are you paying the running back exactly no I, I agree two guys actually forgot to mention for the giants golden tate and elijah penny did not practice today so that's key and then david sills who's been out the whole year has been placed on the reserve covid19 list again um, so that's going to be interesting to watch Guys, let's make our predictions for this game as Steve comments. Yes, we're going to get to the final score for our final score predictions for the game. Uh, Dallas 26th ranked defense has allowed points at the fourth highest rate this year, but Giants have the second to last offense in the league. So it's kind of like a tale of two tapes type of game. Um, It's really crazy to think about that um, at the beginning of the season, Washington, Dallas, and the Giants all started two and seven. Not, the NFC East is making history this week. NFL history: no team has ever made the playoffs after starting two and seven. So, and the Giants could be the first team to make it after starting on five. That's that's a good point too, uh, Brian. As the guest, I, I want to start with you here. What is your final score prediction of? this game uh, Dallas Giants on Sunday there the Cowboys are allowing 30 points a game the only two teams that uh, allow a higher number are the Detroit Lions who stink and fire their head coach and the Jaguars who have the number one pick in the draft so that's not exactly enviable uh, teams that you want to be mentioned with so yes the Giants um, I don't think that they have um, they think they've scored fewer than 20 points. I want to say nine times this year, five in a row, I think was the number. So they have struggled offensively. The Dallas Cowboys defense tends to be a panacea for some of that. So I'll go on record and say, I do think that they, I'm more likely to see the Cowboys average against than the Giants average for. So I think, I think 28 is about a good number as to where the Giants are going to get to in this game. I think they'll be about 28 points. The question then becomes, can the Cowboys score more than that? To their credit, they've been scoring more. They, they scored 30 points or more in the last three games, which which they've all been wins. Offense has not really been their problem. Defense has. Right. And because everything's gone wrong for my tank mentality the last couple of weeks, clearly that means the Cowboys are going to win this game and the picking 19th, right? Because that's my luck. That's what's going to happen. So I, I think it's a tight game. I mean, I don't think that the Cowboys are far and away better than the Giants are, um, frankly. 
but I think it's like it's like a 31 28 type game, maybe you know, 34, I mean, depending on you know, it's like 34 28, like like a three to six point win where the Cowboys are right about where they score Giants a little bit more than usual because the Cowboys defense stinks, right? But it, it's going to come down to turnovers, and you know. If 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 Jones gets the yips, if Jones has one of those games, then if the Cowboys get up early, I I don't know that the Giants are built to come back from that. Um, so that I mean, I think you'll know a lot about this game before before halftime. If, if Jones looks like he's in a groove and he's playing okay, it could get down to the wire. Again, I'm taking I'm taking Murphy's law here because I don't want them to win. I mean, you're talking about them going possibly from the 11th pick to the 19th pick, and I don't think they go anywhere in the playoffs. So yeah. It's just, you know, again, I know it's counterintuitive. Like, why don't you want your team to win? I was like, because they're not going to the week after. So, <laughs> whatever, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the Cowboys find a way to win. I mean, they have played well against the Giants. The Giants played well against them, but really historically, they've been crazy games too. Um, the last couple of years, even going back to the Coughlin and Manning years, mm-hmm. like 31 28 ballpark. Sounds yeah. good. Hank, who do you got? Oh boy, Tom! You know I love putting a lot of thought in, in this, as always. <laughs> I want to say, in the immortal words of our former coach Jim Fossil, "This team is going to the playoffs." That's my whole life. That's my whole goal in life. Threatening. Um, okay, not the last part of that, but anyways, my um, my prediction. I'm going to say Giants 27, Cowboys 24. Look, it's been a while. Eventually, the blind dog finds its bone. Eventually, Giants are going to make the playoffs. It's it has a similar field in 1981 in the sense that the Giants that year had a long playoff drought and they needed help later on to get to get into the dance. And with that being said, I think you know it's about it's 2020. Any weird thing can happen. Giants are going to win 27-24, and I think regardless of who wins this game. I have Washington losing because, quite frankly, I don't trust their quarterback situation. I don't think anybody does. Give me the G-men. All right. So I guess I'm breaking the tie here, folks. And, um, you know, it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, I was 100% on board with Philadelphia winning this division. I mean, before everybody started winning games. And the last time the Giants played Dallas in Week 17 with a playoff spot on the line was nine years ago, 2011. Uh, now, you know, Dallas, they've been on a three game winning streak. We've been on a three game losing streak. Dallas, you know, there and Brian, I, I think that the Giants offense has not been impressive all season. But one thing I've noticed, you know, I watched a little film on the last couple of games. Majority of their points are coming off of turnovers. The Cowboys, they've they haven't totaled over 300 yards uh, in two of those three wins. But their defense has forced at least three turnovers in this game, which scares me a little bit because the Giants are prone to turning the football over, and that's what scares me in this game. Now, I'm going to go ahead and go a little bit lower than both of you, actually. Uh, I, I think it, it's more like a 23-20 to 20 type of game. I'm going to have the Giants coming out on top just because I need to have a little hope in the back of my head for this week, and I think the winning streak, uh, I, I think we're overdue for a win against Dallas. However, um, I, I'm going to piggyback off the Bryant's point earlier, saying that anything that can go wrong for Dallas will go wrong. Um, I can very well see Dallas winning. I, I think this one of two things are going to happen, either a close Giants win or a sizable Dallas win. But my hopeful part of me says the Giants are going to win by three. But yeah. So either way, right, for you guys, going into this draft, right, 
I personally think that Giants should be looking at some more offensive line help longer term. And they've, they've addressed some of that in previous years. Um, what are your thoughts as to where you would like to see them go? It's tough because our number one need, in my opinion, is a wide receiver. We need a number one wide receiver. Uh, basically, we need Nodell Beckham without the circus that comes with it. Uh, we also need an edge rusher, but two of our top edge rushers have been hurt the majority of the season. I do think we need to address more depth there. I think the guard position needs to be addressed. I think the number two cornerback position needs to be addressed. If we're talking about number one overall, the Giants' recipe to success for winning games the past couple of decades has been getting to the quarterback. Getting Edge rusher is number one need for me, even over wide receiver, in my opinion. I think the edge rusher position is what we need to attack. Gregory Rousseau should be, uh, you know, Towards where we're picking, I think, Jamar Chase, a wide receiver, that's another guy. But uh, I'm going to go edge, number one. But then again, the Giants do what the Giants want. They, they don't go with the analytics or predictions or anything. Sure. Everything's out the window with them. But I think for them, whoever's whoever best fits their needs at their position will be selected. But I'd like to see an edge rusher. Yeah, I think an edge rusher probably would help the most. And – yeah, like Tom said, if you look at the Giants' history, what are they associated with? Defense and how they won their championships. A bit. Well, okay, Eli was a big reason too. You know, I'm you know I'm going to have to go on a little mini Eli rant. But what else was a big reason for them winning? Defense. Yeah. So yeah, with that said, I would agree. Offensive line, as much as it's improved this year, it definitely could use work. We yeah. know that Andrew Thomas has been solid, but. I'm not satisfied with guys with the Cam Flemings and the Shane Lemuse. So definitely a big need. And yeah, I, I would definitely consider, I would love to get another talented offensive or a talented wide receiver, but not just, I, I'd, I'd stay away from the Odell Beckhams. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they've really missed him to be honest with you. Um, no, like I know it's yeah. funny. It's funny you should mention that because I get a lot of – there was one of my good friends was was calling me after the loss on Sunday. He was like, oh, well, all the Giants – Giants fans like say, oh, we need a weapon at wide receiver. Well, why were you complaining about Odell? Because here's the thing. The guy is a cancer. A- anyone who has seen the antics that's happened, he's a cancer. Is it any coincidence that Baker Mayfield did better after he, sure. after he was gone? Not really. And quite frankly – I don't know if Daniel Jones – I actually think Daniel Jones would probably be worse off with Odell Beckham and that personality. He'd probably be he'd probably be feeling the pressure to throw for him. Otherwise, he's going to go hit kicking nets and go propose to them and then go pee in the end zone doggy style. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I just – but see, the thing for me is, like, I, I actually – I like Sterling Shepard a lot. I mean, I liked him yeah, in the draft year. And I, and I like Slayton. I mean, like, I don't know. I'd be curious – and I wonder if it's because, like, if they have a, a, a legit threat like Saquon, right – and and that and that brings more you know attention to the line if the receivers that they have mm-hmm. don't just do better as a result of that like just it's like a domino effect that's how football yeah. is like if, right. if Saquon's healthy and you're getting that eighth guy in the box out of coverage then all of a sudden guys are going to be able to get open more yeah and it's when you don't have it, it's when you built your offense around that player that player is not there anymore 
you, you can try it with Gallman and Deion Lewis and whatever. It's not going to be the same. You're not going to get the defensive attention. So I don't know that they need a number one receiver. I'm, I'm a big believer in football's one in the trenches. I, I, if I'm building I mean, O-line, line, corners, safeties. I mean, like I'm looking at the receivers and the running backs last because to me, I'm big. I'm a big quarterbacks make receivers. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, a quarterback makes a receiver. You know what? That's actually a good point you bring up because uh, – what was I going to say before I lose my train of thought? Yeah, I, the, a lot of the teams that have won the Super Bowl, I don't think they've really – they never – didn't necessarily have any elite receivers. Or running backs for that matter. Yeah. I mean, really, if you look at teams most, that they drafted running backs, so, they really work out. And you bring up a good point about the offensive line. I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't – I could definitely see a domino effect. Brian Daly, what's going on, guys? I believe a good rushing game opens up yeah. the passing game. Friend, friend of ours over at A2D Radio. Those guys are great, too. Very we, nice. We, Welcome we, to the show, Brian. We're Philly flavored. They're very good. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Brian, is there anything you would like to add here? But before we let you go tonight, this has been definitely been a great discussion. No, I, I'd love to hey, have it listen, again. I, I, I appreciate coming on. I appreciate the invite. You want to talk Rangers hockey? I'm always, I'm, I am I do that in my sleep. It's really not hard at, at all for me on that side of things so by all means um we appreciate the support you appreciate the support on the sports box you and you guys kind of chime in there so you know we we, we appreciate and wish you guys the best of luck hopefully you know you guys continue to grow as well you know i can tell you i've, I've met a lot of great people doing doing podcasts like this and it's a lot of fun like you know you see diff- what people do differently than you you kind of you know see what works for the people who works for you i just i love seeing guys like do well and have fun with it and i think too many people don't and I, you, when you have a passion for it, it, it's not work. You know, it's just kind of fun. So I enjoy talking football with you guys. So that, that was good. Um, like I said, I, I, if I were you, I, w- I would want the Giants. I, I don't think this game really matters that much longer term for me. If I'm, if I'm a Giants fan, because I think either way, I'm going to draft higher or I think I found my coach of the future, frankly. You know, that I, yeah. like, there's no like either way. There's no negative for me. For I really believe that, like, if they find a way in the playoffs to get just destroyed, you know, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I have, we have these arguments with people, but it's like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy, if you're not going to win, lose. And to me, I, I would have loved getting Sewell out of Oregon. Not going to happen now. Right. No, that's, that's point you bring yeah. Although I've kind of been saying this from week one, and this will be the last thing I have to say. Dallas has been, and still is the most talented team in this division. They have the most talent on their yeah. roster out of all four teams in the, in the division. It's just this year they've been hit with the injury bug. That's what's affected them. New head coach, a lot of different guys, moving parts. The defense hasn't been great. I get it. But at the end of the day, they're still the most talented team here. But, you know, the question is, is that something about Joe Judge, man? It's just telling me. I have something I like in him. my gut. I like him. Yeah. But uh, I don't like your offensive co- I don't like your offensive coordinator. I don't like this guy. This guy I'm yeah. not a fan of. I know him very well. He, you yeah. know, he hasn't been doing that that much. Probably because yeah, he gets apart from really that scary, nothing to clap like, about. <laughs> he didn't have anything in Dallas to clap about either, but he found exactly away. right. Uh, I'm not crazy about him either. Like I, I get that he hasn't necessarily been dealt the best hand, but has yeah. he really been doing a good job with that hand? No. Yeah, but uh, Hank, like, like if you go back to those Cowboys years when he was there, those teams were very good teams. They were. Yeah. Those yeah. teams, like those are teams that, like whether you think the, whether you hate the Cowboys, love the like they should have done a lot better than they did, and they oh, did. I completely agree. And I completely agree. That's. That's Jones not willing to give up his puppet. He finally did because he was forced into it. And, you know, again, I, I think of all the teams, like, I mean, I know Washington's like getting okay. I think the Giants have a, a really nice future ahead of them if, 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 if Daniel Jones is the guy. Because, again, if you miss 
that high at that position, it, it does set you back. But I think, I think the coaching hire ended up being really good. Yeah. I think that he, it's somebody you can build around. The running back's going to be effective for at least a couple more years until age hits, and we'll see where that goes. Um, but I, I mean, like I said, I think I, I think it, the, the, it's it's pointed due north for them, and I wouldn't have said that necessarily at the start of the season, but they, they've impressed me quite a bit with, again, not the most talented roster, but they go out there and they play hard for them, and, and you, that's coaching. That's absolutely coaching. Look at teams um, that, that don't do that and they lose games. It's, if you have talent and don't win, it's coaching. Right. If you don't have talent and you win, it's coaching. <laughs> so, you know, it just – Add it up and make it make sense. Brian, um, you brought up a lot of, ne- of excellent points tonight. Really appreciate your insight and just wanted to let everybody know, make sure to check out and subscribe to the Sports Box on all their platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I apologize if I'm missing anything. No, but- you're good. You, 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 got, you guys can come and just start bash the Eagles fans. We have way, way too many of them, so you can feel free to come just annoy them. <laughs> See, that's one common trend that we have, us Cowboys and Giants fans. Uh, I mean, I, I had hatred so, for Philly. I had so many great Eagles Super Bowl ring jokes, and then the bastards went and won and ruined them all. Yeah. Um, and I'll be more than happy to go and comment about the Rangers. Can't wait for that season to start. I believe we have Tanner Glass days until it starts 15. What a horrible guy. It's going to be crazy. Another one of the fourth line wonders they've had. <laughs> no, I liked him. I, I I, mean, he had a rough go of it the first year, but after a while, he kind of grew on me in my opinion. This is one more year of bad money. Let let the chips fall. Yes. After this season, they're set up for long-term success. There has never I, – I am 36. There has never been a time in my life that they have – this has ever been more – Time to be excited to be a Rangers fan than now. The future has never been brighter. And ping pong balls make great GMs. Yep. Looking forward to that for the Rangers, um, for the Giants-Cowboys game this weekend. Um, Brian, thank you so much again. We appreciate the time, and we look forward to having you back on in the future. This was a lot of fun. Thanks I had a great time. Thanks, guys. Everybody everybody who's watching the show today, give these guys a follow. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Make sure you support them as well. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Good luck Sunday. Yeah, you too. Hope we lose. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. See you, Brian. All right. Wow. Great stuff from Brian Atard from the Sports Box. You can go check him out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at the Sports Box. Great stuff. So, Hank, just a couple final thoughts before we wrap up our show. Um, you know, and this is basically a playoff game this weekend where the loser goes home to make their golfing reservations. The, the winner gets to sit back and watch Washington and Philadelphia on Sunday night football. Um, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier, our keys to the game, what they are. Got to pressure Andy Dalton defensively. The Giants, you know, they rank 13th. Leonard Williams, those eight and a half sacks. Uh, your point, we got to get off the field on third down. And we have to win the turnover battle, which is one thing that Dallas has done so well the last three games. They're plus nine in the turnover margin. The first 12 games, they were minus 13. Now they're plus nine, which is absolutely outstanding. Uh, And my last key specifically is to get Darius Slayton going early. Those are pretty much my last keys to the game I wanted to address. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think – Oh my God. Yes. Mom, I completely agree. He, he was amazing. Made, brought some great insight. And um, 
Yeah, I would say got to win the Battle of the Trenches. I think Wayne Gallman can definitely set the tone with some good runs. Maybe not like a big one, but like a good five, six yard run to get things going. And I'd like to see, and pressuring Andy Dalton, as we all know, is vital. And obviously, you know my point. Get off the field on third down. That speaks for itself. And finally, as we've uh, as we've talked about our whole show, our players to watch. Uh, again, specifically our players to watch is Dallas's quarterback, Andy Dalton. You can see here on this graphic right now what we just talked about with Brian, everything there. Um, three and one record in the month of December, nine touchdowns, only two picks. He's been fantastic. Uh, last time he won a game against the giants was the last time he started against the giants in 2012. He's two and one lifetime against the giants in his career. And, you know, since taking over for Dak in week five, he's four and four. He's a very serviceable backup. He's one of the better backups in this league. And, you know, some people argue he could still start. So Dalton definitely concerns me a little bit. He was really good in relief. Nine of 11, 111 yards. That's a little scary. It's a little scary. I'll be yeah, the first I, to admit that to you. No, I, I, you're not wrong. I think Andy Dalton is very serviceable. I, you know, I, I knew when they signed him that, that it was a good move because let's say, you know, what hits the fan and Dak, Dak got hurt. Well, yeah, he's, he's been pretty capable. And obviously, neither he nor Dak could control how bad their defense was. Agreed. Uh, so that's our first player to watch, and then we'll just do two more um, graphics specific here. Um, and it's a couple of the skilled players we highlight on offense. It's running back Ezekiel Elliott and wide receiver City Lamb. Uh, these these men were really good last week against Philadelphia. Zeke had over 100 yards. Lamb had a touchdown. I mean, Zeke has only had two games over 100 rushing yards this year. It's been a very down year for Zeke and that Cowboys rushing attack. But in week five against the Giants, he scored two of his five touchdowns on the season. So despite him splitting carries with Tony Pollard, I'm still worried about Zeke. That's the first thing the Giants have to do in order to win this football game. They need to stop Zeke. And then City Lim, man, he's the fifth highest rookie, according to PFF. As you can see, his PFF grade is pretty darn good. Uh, 41st amongst wide receivers, which is impressive for a rookie. So I'm a little concerned about these two, Hank, as well. We couldn't stop them in week five. And, you know, our defense hasn't changed much since week five. So, you know, it, it is a little uh, – I don't want to say these two players are a ticking time bomb that are waiting to explode on, on Sunday, but a big play or two by these guys and – the Giants lose. Yeah, it all depends on um what it all depends on what Brian or sorry, it all depends on what Patrick Graham looked at during the film. I'm sure he probably I'm sure he probably has some good adjustments that he's gonna come up with in the game plan. So we'll see what difference that makes. But yeah, those those two are weapons that you gotta look out for. And finally, our three players to watch on the New York football Giants. And the first two are on defense. Our two best players, both free agent acquisitions in the offseason, Blake Martinez and James Bradbury. Bradbury Bunker, we like to call him. We definitely want to trademark that one. Uh, similar to Revis Island from the Jets. Uh, Blake, 140 tackles. I don't know what more Blake has to do to make a Pro Bowl, for heaven's sake. Uh, he's probably, in my opinion, he's the second best tackler in the NFL behind Darius Leonard. 
five passes defended. Look at his PFF grades in defense and run defense. He's up there. Coverage, he's getting better. Pass coverage, he's been great. 12 tackles against Baltimore. He recovered a fumble against Dallas in week five and seven games with at least 10 tackles, Hank. MVP. What more can I say? 100%. He's the MVP of the team this year. Like, if, if I'm do if spoiler alert, we get down and I make and we end up making the top 10 list, there's a very good chance he's going to be at or near the top of that list. 12 tackles with a broken foot. This guy's a warrior. Like, yeah. he was the one shining light in, in the defense in, in that game against the Ravens. And then lastly, I, we have sorry, Hank, you gotta uh, want to finish that thought. No, you're good. I was gonna say, no, James I was gonna say you're the only guy I could have even argued against uh, against uh, Sterling Shepard. We didn't even talk about this guy with Brian. Is James Bradbury? Uh, yeah. He held Amari Cooper to two catches in Week Five, and Brad. The, my only, the thing is, the reason why we included Lamb and not Cooper is because Bradbury is going to be matched up against Cooper. Now I know Bradbury does not always travel, but Dallas's wide receivers outmatch our corners because although we have. Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan, those are more safety-like players. McKinney's more of a hybrid that's going to run along with Gallup, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Then Blake's going to be matched up on guys like Pollard, Zeke, and Dalton Schultz, the tight end. So that leaves City Lamb going up against Isaac Yottam, who, quite frankly, is, in my opinion, the worst starting cornerback in the NFC East. He's not good. He's not quick. And he's he, he's not he's not very smart either, if you ask me. He's made good plays here and there. Don't get me wrong; he's had his moments. But every player has their moments. Isaac Yadam versus City Lamb is a disaster waiting to happen. Good but luck. no part. I, of I, I still think the I, I still think the defense has been really good at not giving up that many big plays too. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. But those seventeen passes defended by Bradbury those earned him a Pro Bowl berth, and finally. Our last player to watch for the Giants before we sign off is Andrew Thomas. Um, Here he is, left tackle. Hank leads the NFL with nine sacks allowed. That is never a good thing. Uh, However, he has improved his play since week eight. Joe Judge went up to him. He encouraged him to play the way he did at Georgia. Only gave up one sack the entire year. Thomas has not missed a snap since week nine because we know the Giants love to run that O-line rotation. It's been good to see him consistently in there at left tackle. Um, and then although he was charged a sack against Baltimore, he, still, he was still capable of giving lanes for Wayne Gallman on Sunday. Uh, he did score the two-point conversion against Dallas back in week five. Remember that, uh, that little play action the Giants did to Andrew Thomas? Uh, it's a typical right. Belichick type of play call, Hank, and he's going to see plenty of the Marcus Lawrence on Sunday. So that's definitely a red flag, but hopefully he's able to match up against him and show some improvement like he has over the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think he's going to be a big key to this game, and I can – you know, he, he's really made a lot of progress over the course of the second half. I can – I have a feeling he's going to be better this game. I have a feeling he might – he'll probably only hold – Lawrence to a sack, maybe. That's my prediction. I think Lawrence does get one sack. I think every team's edge rusher is pretty much guaranteed to get one sack against us this season. Whether it's Lawrence, who whoever it is, um, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, and then, folks, uh, just one more thing. I'm really 
really happy that the Giants are still in the mix. Uh, I, I really, I want to win this game. You know, I, I don't really care about potentially getting a, a top three pick because we are such a young team, and the playoff experience is something we could really use. As we're in 2016, it was more a bunch of veterans slapped together, like Snacks, Janoris Jenkins, like like that. That team was a good team. Don't get me wrong, but we couldn't score all year long. As where I think this season, Hank, um, the playoffs could really benefit this this franchise. And um, yeah, I'm just hoping for the best on on Sunday. Any any uh, final thoughts you would like to add? Yeah, I don't really. I generally don't like to root for my team to lose, especially against the Dallas Cowboys. And <laughs> let, let me be frank. It's been uh, four years since we last beat them. Like, true. as I said in the predictions, a blind dog has to find his bone eventually. Yeah. So I, I hope they do it. I think the experience could really go a long way for the young players. And I think, I think the playoffs will also show – how much progress Joe judge has made in helping to change the culture. So it's bigger than you think. I don't know what happens in the playoffs. Let's talk about that. If, or when we get there, but now let's worry about winning this game. And it's all about winning this game. I don't care what happens with Philly and Washington until that game starts. Yep. Whole focus has to be on this game. And Steve, thank you very much for the comment. Appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate Jamie, Brian, uh, Frank, all the people with their comments tonight, David, and um, our David guests, yep, David Yates and Fonz, back, David. everybody who commented, and our guest Brian, who was excellent tonight. On, on behalf of Hank and Dichter, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Just a quick reminder next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled time slot Thursday at 7 p.m. We did it Wednesday this week because tomorrow is New Year's Eve, so we'll be back Thursday at 7, and we will either be recapping week 17 and previewing a playoff game or recapping week 17. And then the following week, we will do a full entire recap of the 2020 season. That's it, everybody. Thank you very much. Happy new year. Stay safe out there. You've been watching big blue Avenue here on review and preview sports on Facebook live. Everyone have a good night.